97.3. Text 84850. Tweet at LBC 973. This is London's biggest conversation with Steve Allen. Morning, Tuesday morning, London Town. Do you know, I thought last night, when, when I was little, littler, when you were a kid, this would be the week that you would get the Christmas decorations out and it would be a little bit of a treat. You would go, you know, your dad would go into the loft and you'd, you'd sort of, you'd ferret around around the back of the loft and he'd say, found them, and down would come the cardboard box. This was the holy grail of Christmas. And, the, and we would proudly carry the cardboard box into the sitting room and then we would open it up to see what we'd packed away last year. And all our Christmas decorations were all wrapped in tissue paper. It was like, I mean, it's, it sounds a bit grand, but I promise you it was a bit higgledy-piggledy. And the, and then you take out the lights. Half the little shades had fallen off. We had the most beautiful lights, which we bought in Hong Kong. And around each little light was a little tiny Chinese lantern, but beautifully made out of metal with little tiny tassels on it. To be honest with you, it's worth flying back to Hong Kong. You know, to see whether you can buy, still buy these things. And they were lovely, little tiny lights inside, and they were very... And they hung down, they looked lovely. And so you'd have to put those all back on again. And then at the very bottom, you'd find those lovely paper decorations where you'd open it up and it'd be a ball. Or failing that, it would be a bell or something like that. And then you'd string them across the room, and then you'd try and make it look festive, and then you'd blow out balloons. And we'd always do the same. We'd always do a long balloon and two round balloons, because it was funny. And then we'd sort of put it in the corner. You know, and your mother would come and go, Stephen... Add another balloon. And so you'd have to do... Otherwise, people would complain about it. And every year, we did the same thing. We'd lay out all the lights on the sitting room floor, and then you'd turn them on, and nothing would happen. And so you'd have to go through the whole blooming set. You'd have to go through the whole blasted set to find out which one was broken. Nowadays, it makes no difference, because lights are so cheap. If they break, you throw them away. But in the early days of lights, you had to find the right light that went with the right set. I remember going to Harrods and buying something called Fantasy Lights. And this was the very first... The very first lights that did seven different things. They chased, they faded in and out, and they were they were beautiful. But to get the bulbs was the, the worst thing you could ever do, to try and find the bulbs. Nowadays, it's all little little tiny digital things. You don't need to worry about any of the light bulbs, because they're not the non-replaceable anyway. So if they actually blow, as I say, I just throw the set out... Or use them on a Christmas tree that we're not too too fussed about. But I love lights outside. They look so much better in this weather. Even though it's miserable and it's uh, wet and it's damp and it's horrible. But Leicester Square looks quite classy this morning. First time in ages that I've not driven through and not seen drunks lying about all over the place. Needless to say, my advice <coughs> excuse me, was heated. You'll, I'll tell you about the voice in a moment. Um, because there was some man sleeping rough. Well, he looked quite comfy, actually. He was in a sleeping bag, and he was by the side of the half-price ticket booth. And I thought, no, tourists in London don't want to see this kind of thing. They don't want to see... Pe- Somebody set up a tent in Twickenham. I don't know what the Dickens is going on there, but they've got a tent by the council offices. Perhaps it is the council offices. I don't know. And so, uh, so they've cleared out Leicester Square, but the lights are really good in the trees. Really, really good. Very, very good. I did agree with Duncan. I didn't think... I, would j- I just climbed into the shower as he was having a discussion with some poor man who didn't quite get to, to grips with, with the, the tube strike because they want more money, which I think is through Aslif, if memory serves me. And, so, and this man was saying, well, you know, they're holding us to ransom. And I thought, and I was agreeing with Duncan, which is very rare. I don't agree with Duncan on anything at all, you know, from, you know, well, just most things. And, uh, and he was saying, no, they're not holding us to ransom. You know, you've got a pair of legs, you can walk. And we've got buses. And this bloke was saying, oh, well, the buses aren't that... Well, every time we've had a strike, it's never brought the city to a standstill. Never, ever. You know, as far as I'm concerned, they can stay on strike for the entire year. <coughs> Doesn't make any difference at all to me. I couldn't care less. That's, it's, that's what they, they choose to do. But 
as Duncan pointed out to this poor bloke, who was losing the argument big time, it was getting worse and worse, and I'm sitting in the bath, and I thought, I'd, I'd ought to sort of immerse my head under the, under the shower in case I miss a vital piece. And he, he just didn't get the fact that it wasn't holding us to ransom. If you can get more money for your members, then that's how it works. In other words, if, if somebody said to you, I remember the time when uh, back in 90, well, whatever year it was at LBC, and we got double money. Presenters got double money for working. Everybody got double money. If you're one of the engineers, because we used to have in those days an engineer, there'd be a pool of engineers, and they would drive the programme, and then you'd have a producer. Now you have what they call a production engineer, which is somebody who can drive. <laughs> Sorry. And, uh, and also can put the programme together. <laughs> Again. <laughs> so that's, that's the theory behind it. So we'd have people coming in, and they would sit there. But they had a system, because they were members of the ACTT union, if they turned up late for a shift or they were called in late, they could get up to five times their normal salary. So they had a system. The system was they would be told in plenty of time that they need an extra person to come in and they would leave it till the last minute. And so they would get five times. I remember at TVAM, they had a similar thing. Some of the journalists, I think an electrician at TVAM, grossed over £200,000 in a year, purely based on the fact that his, his work time was times 20 or times 30. But I remember distinctly, because I remember... I was sitting in the shower thinking about it this morning, as you do when you sit there cogitating, looking at your feet. And you sit there, and I was thinking, I remember Christmas Day. In fact, there were two days, Christmas Day and Boxing Day, and New Year's Eve, where it was double money. Double money. And it, it kind of made it worth it. So if people didn't want to work, don't work. If you do work, then you get double money. And, and the company would pay for your dinner as well. There would be a dinner. There would be, you, you would actually get, and it was, it was always cold. It, it was a buffet. It was a buffet. And, and it was, and it was sort of very, very interesting, very, very interesting that you would sort of sit there and you'd go, I wonder what the food is. And we'd all go and appear through the door. But the person who had the key to it was downstairs and they wouldn't open it till a certain time because otherwise everybody would, uh, would do it. But I did have one of my regular listeners who one year arranged food from Trader Vic's at the Hilton. Fantastic. I mean, absolutely fantastic. I mean, really, you know, absolutely wonderful. Absolutely. Absolutely wonderful. 84850, uk, And uh, what else? Oh, we've got loads of your Christmas cards in today, so we'll run through those a little bit later on. And unfortunately, um, it's, <coughs> it's throat time again. Everybody's stricken with it. Of course, the person we're all blaming is James Max. OK, straightforward. We're not going to beat around the bush here. It's James Max's fault. He came in with a cold on Sunday. It's gone into the system, and now we've all been infected by it. Yesterday, I was fine, got home, and I thought... Uh, you know when your nose runs and you're not sure if your nose is running, but you sort of feel maybe your nose is running? And, I, and it just drips, you know, all of a sudden your nose drips. Well, I didn't know that was going to happen. And so I get in the car this morning, having sort of coughed my way through. I went to bed really early last night, thinking if I go to bed early, it'll be fine. Didn't make the slightest difference. I go to bed at half past five, half past five, because I was feeling quite, quite world-weary. And I've done my, done my bits and pieces, I've made my phone calls, I've done all the things I should have done. And, uh, and I woke up again half past seven, and then I couldn't get back to sleep. Which was even worse. I watched a bit of television, and then I had something to drink, and then, I, then in the end, I sort of I thought I'm just going to wear myself out. I could have done with a sleeping tablet, but I don't. I don't do sleeping tablets, which is probably just as just as well in this day and age. And so eventually, I did manage to drop off, and then I woke up at about twenty to two, and I thought I'll tell you what. Now, to <coughs> excuse me, take your time, get yourself ready, and have a nice long shower. So I had actually a really good twenty minute shower. 
And that's when it's really nice. You know, you sit there. Uh, well, I say sit there because, you know, I have a seat in the shower. Because, I, to be honest with you, I haven't got the strength to stand up in the morning. Sitting down, I've discovered, is the best way forward. And when I went to the Ideal Home Show last year, they had these showers which have got built-in seats. I've just got what they call like an invalid seat. It's only a small thing. It's got a little back on it. But it does mean that when you get in, the, you know, you, you stand up for the important bits. Well, in my case, you might as well stay sitting. It makes no difference at all. And, um, and so I was, sort of, I was sort of sitting there. And it's great because it's the only time you can actually wash your legs without bending down and breaking your back. And if you're an elderly person or somebody who's in a little bit of difficulty in that department, then um, it's absolutely ideal. You can buy them all over. The- I bought this one in Argos, but apparently they don't do them anymore. And it's served me really well. I really enjoy it. I put it together, a few little screws in there. It sits in the shower. I put my shower curtain round it. Because I had one of those shower screens. And I didn't like that. I tended to find that when I was sort of... Because I tend to not... I, I've, I've got a shower which lights up. The actual head of the shower lights up. So it's different colours, depending on what what the water strength is. What, not in the water strength, but also the, the temperature of it. So if it's, if it's lovely and hot, it's bright red. And if it's blue, it means you're going to die. And so you'll be standing in there, and it's just one... And so I hang on to the shower. So I sort of... I've got one of these mitts. It's beginning to sound quite sad, actually. There's something, the more I think about it, the sadder it's becoming. But it's a mitt that you put on. It's like a flannel, and it's all, you put it on like a glove, soap it all up, and then you can do your arms around the back. The back is the worst thing, isn't it? Don't you think you should employ somebody just to wash your back every so often? Because that's... I mean, I can get sort of halfway round, but there's, there's always one bit you can't do. <laughs> Perhaps I'll have to ask people. I, I, I don't mind putting an advert in the local paper. Somebody wanted to wash your back. That's why when David Dimbleby went to Russia, have you noticed the effortless way in which we've all of a sudden taken the show abroad? And he goes to Russia, and he goes to one of these Russian bathhouses where there are big men called Grigor and Igor and people like that. And they literally throw you around on this marble floor and they soap you up. And they, you know, they really give a good pummeling to get the skin sort of shining. And then apparently you go and jump into a nice cold pool. Not me, thank you very much indeed. Not me, a nice warm shower. But I quite like the idea of having sort of somebody almost exfoliating you. And that's all they do. I think, they, I think it's like a Turkish bath, isn't it? They don't always hit you with branches. You have to pay extra for the hitting with branches. I mean, you're making it sound like it's sort of doing... I don't want people to go to Russia and come back and go, we didn't get any of the hitting with branches. You know, I think that's on a list of what they call extras. You know, it's... <laughs> I, don't, I don't think I want to be hit with branches. They do that in Norway, don't they? I think Norway and places like that, you know, where they beat themselves with birch twigs. I don't know why. What's the purpose of that? Let's throw into a little bit of self-flagellation, which, to be quite honest, is OK. You know, don't beat yourself up over it. It's quite a nice thing to do every so often. But it's the, it's the idea of I've seen and I've been in, in countries where you're in a sauna and then you run out into the snow and roll... I don't think so. I'm sorry. I don't think so. Uh, 84850, uk. Bad news is, George Lineker is still able to write to a text, which is quite funny. He replied to one of my uh, comments yesterday. Bless his heart, honestly. He's so desperately sad and so desperately lonely. We, I was, we were trying to work out, actually, the other day, which of the gorgeous girls who he met in that nightclub he actually pulled. <laughs> Answer none of them, I shouldn't think, as they were taken back to a Holiday Inn. There's a pull, isn't there? That's, where, where are we going back to? Holiday Inn. You what? Holiday Inn. Who is he? George Lineker. Oh, God. That's like running through the list of who's in the Dancing on Ice programme. Out they all come, all the old people. There's some some nice people in there, and there's some right old has-beens, which I'll tell you about after this. LBC 97.3 Morning, 18 minutes past four is the time. Just very quick, just before I run down 
Sorry, not run down. I mean, well, I mean, literally, I'd quite like to run down. The uh, celebrities appearing in the Dancing on Ice programme. Cheryl Cole's mum has scuppered plans by the singer's boyfriend to propose on Christmas Day. Trey Holloway, 27, no money whatsoever, has had asked Joan Callahan because that's Cheryl Cole's... That's Cheryl's name, Callahan. Okay, for her daughter's hand in marriage, and said he wanted to pop the question during a US trip. They've only known each other five seconds. F- how stupid is he? Well, dancer, duh, dumb, duh, dancer, da 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 da. You know, you're washed up by the age of thirty. I suppose he better find himself a bit of a gold mine to cling on to. Because let's face it, she is gullible. She is gullible. She's right. She's definitely right for the uh, definitely right for the taking. But anyway, apparently Cheryl, twenty nine, is quite close to her mum. That's a surprise. Not close to some other members of the family though. And uh, they say Trey, like scores of men, wants to marry Cheryl. No, they don't. No, they don't. I've asked around the office. Nobody wanted to marry Cheryl. Nobody was remotely interested. They said if they wanted to marry a midget, they'd have gone off and picked one of those dwarfs from the High Ho song. You know, they want to pick Cheryl Cold. Good lord. So you know, you don't get married that soon. That is just dumb, 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 I'm afraid. I see that it had to happen. Romeo Beckham has now done a a photo shoot for Designer Burberry. Unfortunately, it's not a pleasant picture. He looks like a right little Lord Fauntleroy. It's just ridiculous. Wearing a little gabardine mac done up. And you think, oh, God. He's only ten. And apparently was snapped by Mario Testino. I would think that was probably the selling point. David Beckham, of course, you know, I mean, is sort of posing as well for Armani undies. And now uh, Romeo, uh, and everybody said he stole the show. <laughs> what does he do, tricks or something? What does he do? He's ten years old, he put a Mac on. Hello? How does that steal the show? Oh, dear. Um, Jordan's ex has been arrested as well. That's uh, Leandro Penner. If you're not careful, Leandro, listen, we've been very tolerant with you so far, lovey. But uh, mess around, we'll kick you out, OK? Your career will disappear faster than that little that little arrangement you had, OK, with the ugly bird. Uh, other stories of the papers. Oh, yes, I was going to tell you, wasn't I? Who is the... <coughs> excuse me, dancing on ice. Doesn't make pleasant uh, pleasant viewing, I'm afraid. It's, uh, it's real lame. There's some good names, and by God, there's some rubbish in there. And once I've found them, I shall tell you who it is. Because I remember going through it earlier on, thinking... Oh, here we are. Right, in the, in the female front, I use the term loosely... Anthea Dead Boring Turner, 52, and uh, she's going to be the most irritating person, so the sooner we kick her out, the better, thank you. I couldn't care if she can dance or what. Not remotely interested. Okay, not interested. But uh, most embarrassing fear or dread, all of a sudden you're in a competition. Oh, right. So as cheesy and as naff as she ever was, I'm afraid. Uh, Then they've got uh, Samia Gadi. Samia was in uh, Coronation Street, and she's skating with Sylvain L'Enchambon, whoever he is. Nobody knows who these blooming dancers are. Beth Tweddle. Who's she? Was she something in the Olympics? Beth, I don't know who Beth Tweddle is. Was she a gymnast or something? Oh, God, how many more of these Pendletons do we have to drag out the wardrobe? Uh, Lauren Goodyear, the old fishwife. You wait till you hear her talking, I tell you. You'll keep the kids well away from the television. She was seen holding hands, I think, the other day with, um, with somebody at, um, at Leandro Penner's party, I think. And I think, yes, I'm sure it was her. Let me just try and find the thing again. And uh, she was seen coming out there holding hands with him. And there was a picture in the papers. And you think, sorry? Mr Daly we're talking about. He was holding hands. He, he went to Leandro Penner's party. Was it Leandro? Was it, was it Lauren Poppy? Gosh, she's as old as the hills. 
God, blimey, they don't become any older than that. Uh, 84850-stephenlbc.co.uk. My friend Anthony gave me a mince pie this morning. Very nice indeed. Had clementines in it, which was very, very exciting. Anyway, sorry, I, I digress, because uh, I'm trying anything to stave off this stupid cold and this stupid blooming, you know, when you feel blocked up, it's so annoying. It really is dreadful. Anyway, so Lauren Goodger, the old fishwife, that's the old bag from The Only Way is Essex. She was boring in that. Uh, and the other one, Una King. I'm sorry, darling, who are you? Are you one of those lame MPs who's decided you're worth something on the television? He says, uh, this is dream celebrity skating partner. Wait for this one. Bar- Barack Obama. Are you completely devoid of, of intellect, poor woman? And then Pamela Anderson. Yes, you've got to put up with the old bag from Baywatch again, I'm afraid. She's come over here because she can't get arrested in America. And she owes a fortune in tax. So the tax man's come down, so that's why she's dancing over here. And so they've done a really good airbrushed picture of her. Strangely enough, she's only 45, which makes Anthea Turner look, you know, about 70, I'm afraid. It's just the, the difference is Anthea Turner's irritating. You know, Anthea Turner, you would quite ha- you would quite happily watch if the ice melted, wouldn't you? Uh, well, Anthea Turner doesn't... Yes, I don't know why she... Nobody wants to be photographed with her. She box off his poison, I think. And in the bloke front, here he is, Matt Lapinskus. Hello? I've, I've no idea who that is. No idea. Matt Lapinskus. Not a clue. You don't think he's one of those people who's in Hollyoaks. Wait a minute... Here's a matter. It's first. He was injured. He says, I have a few bumps and bruises. Nobody knows who he, Who are you, love? How can they put people in here that we're not aware of who they are? Joe Pasquale, we know. We know Joe. He'll, he'll, I'm not sure. <coughs> Excuse me if Joe Pasquale will be playing it for laughs or not, but it will be funny. I think Shane Ward. Uh, Shane Ward. Who's Shane? Oh, the singer. He won X Factor. And ever since then, disappeared without trace. Hence having to do a skating programme. Luke Campbell. Hello? Olympic boxer? He looks about 15. Is he Olympic boxer? Keith Chegwin. (gasps) Mr Teeny Tiny, Mr Teeny Tiny. And Gareth Thomas. That's the gay rugby player, isn't it? That'll be nice. He'll bring a bit of of, of glamour to it. Yeah, I I think he could win, actually. He's actually very good. He's very friendly with that bloke who makes shoes, La Bouton, somebody like that. I think he knows all these sort of designers. And they're making a film about Gareth Thomas as well. Because it's, it's quite rare to have a gay uh, rugby player. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> We've been to Twickenham. God, truth. Uh, and uh, Doctor Who star Matt Smith is going to be uh, hitting the Christmas jackpot, getting to snog his sexy new sidekick, Jenna Louise Coleman. I've looked at a picture of her. I wouldn't look on that as a bonus at all, actually. I'll get a health check. 84850, Um Please don't just use cards to pay. Keep using cash and checks so they don't die out. I use cash all the time. I'm a big cash person. Big, big cash person. I love using cash. I know where I am with cash. If I take money out of the bank and then it's not in my wallet at the end of the day, I know I've spent it. So I like that. Barbara in Surbiton says, Steve, you started me off early today talking of decorations. At school in the early 50s, all given half a packet of paper chains to lick and loop together. All ba- Yes, I remember. Packets of paper chains. And you sit there, pff, lick it. By the end of it, your tongue was like the inside of a parrot's cage. You look at a thick... Oh, God, it was horrible. And you stick there and you go, uh, long enough. It's horrible. Because most people just have a centre light in the room. And so the paper chains would go up into the centre light. And you'd sort of fix them with a little bit of sellotape. 
It was fun, because I always remember having our box of decorations. And even if something was broken, if it was like one of those balls that you opened up, it's all sort of terribly clever. And, and then you sort of put it back in again. You sort of opened it up, and it was, it was lovely. And then you'd still put it back in the box if you didn't use it. So next year. So, in fact, we had Christmas decorations that went for donkey's years. I would love, you know, if, I, if, I, if, if, uh, if the baby Jesus decided it was my turn to win the lottery, you know, then, you know, I'm, I'm not stupid enough not to take it. And I would definitely take it. And I would love a big tree. And it would be absolutely drenched, drenched in baubles. You know, purple. I've seen some great colours this year. Some really, really nice decorations. So it, it disappoints me when I see a tree that's badly decorated. There is no excuse for uh, for a badly decorated tree. There is always room for a really, really lovely tree. And you can do it. You can do it. Uh, one here from uh, from Bob. He says, she may not be a nice person, but Cheryl is very attractive. Well, yeah, but you can't make a silk purse out of a sow's ear, can you? You can't make it. She might be all over made up. And she's got hair extensions and her false lashes are not real and her makeup is troweled on. She was pictured the other day doing something and it just looked like it looked like a cheap reject from The Only Way is Essex. And that's the problem (coughs) when they start looking like any of the people in TOWIE. You know, what the people in TOWIE need to do is to take a lesson from the people in Chelsea who do not have everything, you know, Toweled on, troweled on, because it's just not very... You don't need... People, you know, most most blokes, less is more. Although, strange enough, for women with blokes, more is more. You know, kind of works, doesn't it? You don't... Less is more. No, it's not. More is more. Makes perfect sense. Try a long-handled loofah to scrub your back. Carol says, Noreen's burnt her hand, filling a hot water bottle. Oh, dear. So dangerous, hot water bottles. Wish you well. Wish you well. And I must just mention as well, I'm going to mention it twice on the programme today, because uh, John Warrington phoned me yesterday. And uh, one of my long-standing listeners, who's been with us for ages and ages and ages. In fact, she came to the first show. I knew her daughters when they were little tiny things, little tiny things. Gloria Feldman uh, lost her battle against, I think it was cancer, the other day. And so I phoned her daughter yesterday just to say how terribly sorry I was because Gloria was... And John, I think, had only spoken to her a few days before. I think they were planning another holiday. And... Uh, oh, I'm so sorry. They've done all sorts of... Uh, all sorts of things. And um, and it, it was such a shame that she lost her battle because she came to all my shows. She was uh, a big supporter and really, really nice. And, you know, you know, when she lost her husband, we were there for her and now her daughters have to, to face life without her. A larger-than-life character was our Gloria. She really was. So uh, wherever she is now, you have a nice rest. You have a nice holiday. Peter Andre's uh, brother lost his battle as well the other day. He was 54. Uh, He'd been featured in the programme. Actually, to be honest with you, there isn't much in Peter Andre's life that doesn't feature in the programme. But he lost his battle the other day. So, But I've always said, if people lose their, their battle against you know, whatever it is, cancer or, or any, sort of, uh, any sort of tragedy. Coming up to Christmas, you'll always remember it. It's during the year you kind of forget these things, but at Christmas time, you'll always, always remember. I was watching those dreadful scenes from America of the first funerals of the, uh, the little children who were killed by that gunman, and I couldn't help feeling that they must feel so robbed, so robbed, and no answers, no answers. Nobody can give them answers. Nobody can give them what they want, which is their children back. And then you question if there is a God. Where the hell was he the other day? Answer, quite clearly, not watching over them, which we were always told he did. 84850, uk. More for the papers in a moment, uh, when we've got the hero teacher. 
And also a cure for high blood pressure. And sadly, the Express put the dreary Anthea Turner on the front page. She's really going to get up your nose on this programme. She's going to be Princess Tippy Toes. She wasn't called that for nothing, let me tell you. It's early breakfast. LBC, Steve Allen, and the time now, 4.30. LBC 97.3, London's biggest conversation with Steve Allen. Morning, 28 minutes to five. Yeah, I question, don't you question religion? Sometimes when we're always told, you know, I remember that great line, suffer little children to come unto me, said God, and then you have this massacre of little children, of little children, and you think, is there a God? No, of course there isn't. There can't be. Because otherwise he'd be looking after them. I don't believe any of the old cos. I mean, I'm quite sure there was a there was a great line. I think in Steel Magnolias when the uh, the character dies, she has diabetes and she has an attack and she dies as a result of it. And one of the other women within the group of Dolly Parton and everybody else says uh, to the woman whose daughter has died, she said, "You should be grateful that she's with uh, with her, her her lord, God." And she says, "Well, listen, I'm grateful for you, but frankly, I'd rather have her down here with me. Thank you very much indeed." Because it's, it's, that, it's always the good, isn't it? They say the good die young, but you don't expect them to die that young. And I don't know how anybody could ever understand it. Imagine saying to a parent, well, don't worry, they're with God now. Well, I'm sorry, we don't really want them with God. I'm sorry to be selfish about the whole thing, but I'd rather they were down here with us and we didn't have to look at pictures and drawings that they'd done in their book saying, love you, mummy, and that kind of thing, coming up to Christmas. So where is God then? Is he elsewhere? Is he busy doing something? You know, you can't ever justify it, can you? I can understand, you know, if somebody dies of, of cancer or something like that and they've had a really good, fulfilled life and they've done loads and loads of things, well, then, to a certain extent, that you can understand. But I never quite understand when somebody can go into a school and massacre you know, 27 children and then take his own life. I mean, frankly, I'd want to see him hung up, you know, by his legs, you know, just so at least you've got something. You've got something to fall... They've got nothing. They've got no answers. They've got absolutely diddly squat... They've got a president who was visibly moved by it, who read all the names out, but he didn't actually say, we're going to ban guns. And as long as you, you've got guns out there, there are loonies. Okay, and this, this, it turns out this, this bloke's mum taught him how to shoot. She's part of this group of people that think the world's going to end shortly. And so she was stockpiling food and kept about 30 guns at home. Small wonder he went off the blooming rails. Small wonder he went off the rails, but it doesn't solve it, does it? You want the president to say, right, we're now banning guns. You can't go and buy them in this country. I know they're available. I'm not naive enough to think that they're not available. They are available. We did a programme on LBC a few years back on how easy it was to get a gun. 100 quid gets you a gun nowadays. It's that simple. And it was done by a guy from Time Out magazine. And he went out there just to see how easy it was. And it was blooming easy to get hold of a gun that had been sort of cut down so you could use it in bank robberies. Because it's a bit pointless you turning up, you know, with sort of a knife and somebody's got a gun. You're not kind of going to win that, are you? You're going to lose that argument. But when it actually happens, and it's little children who are gunned down for no reason whatsoever, you question faith. You question. And I don't subscribe to that. Oh, well, it's a real test of faith. I'm sorry. I don't subscribe to that at all. It's not a test of faith at all. Uh, very sad here about Gloria, says Noreen. We sat near them or next to them several times at the show, sending her daughters lots of, uh, lots of love. Yes, Gloria Feldman, she, was, uh, she came to the last show at the Mermaid Theatre. Such a nice one, honestly. Well, you know when they say salt of the earth, it's a, it's a well overused phrase, I'm afraid. But it was absolutely applicable in Gloria Feldman's uh, name. She was, she really was, she was a nice, nice person. So, so, you know, the daughters are a distraught, as you can imagine. Not the, uh, not the best thing at all. Um, Stuart says, as a male, 
I was useless at folding towels and ironing shirts until I see how the beautiful Anthea Turner did it on her TV show. So I'm going to be voting for her. Oh, God, that's another loony. That's all we need. So, so based on the fact she can, she can iron a shirt, you're voting for her on a Dancing on Ice programme. Small wonder her fans are generally remedial people. They're not all there, are they, in the brain department? Why you'd ever want to vote for a ghastly... Ghastly. Uh, 84850-stevedlbc.co.uk. Uh, will you be here on Christmas Day this year? <coughs> yes. And Christmas Eve. And Boxing Day. Whee! Seven till ten. Uh, just just remember, on South Western trains, there's no trains uh, Christmas Day, no trains Boxing Day. OK? So if you want to go anywhere, blooming well walk. You know, if there's going to be a tube strike, you'll have to walk, won't you? Or stay in. Not going to make any difference to you. Tube drivers will be staying in. They'll be doing whatever they want to do. Um, another one here, which says... You could get a sponge bracket. A sponge bracket? What the dickens is that? Uh, sponge brackets. Sponge bracket. I do... I, I tell you what I've, I've got. I've got, like, a loofah, but with um, circular things at the end, so you can do that kind of that sort of movement, which doesn't go very well on the radio, does it? But it's, I'm telling you, it's, it's impressing everybody around here. And you do that with it, and that's good, but it doesn't quite work. What you need, you need to have a shower with another person. That's what you need to do. And then you have to turn round, and they have to do your back, and then, then they turn round, and you get out. <laughs> well, you don't want to start messing around like that first thing in the morning, do you? Uh, other stories in the papers, apart from uh, Anthea Dreary Turn. Oh, she's going to be so irritating. Ooh, little tippy-toes. She's going to be there. And so they've got Pamela Anderson. I mean, it's, it's now beginning to look a bit sad with Pamela Anderson. She's only 40-something, <laughs> Warren says, uh, you're offering. He's obviously, are you in this country or not? Yes, and I have seen all of those. You see, something, I mean, I don't, I, the funny thing was, were we not told that Christ was not born at Christmas? The Christmas that we celebrate is the, is the pagan Christmas. And it's the changing of the berries on the trees and all the rest of it. I was told that Christ was born, I think, in July. So why in Bethlehem have they just put the tree up? Do they subscribe that he was born, <coughs> excuse me, December 25th? Do you think do you think people subscribe to that now? Because they've just put this tree up, put up by an English company, I think, and I think it's got 45,000 lights on, which is, that's a lot of bulbs that can go missing, you know. And But in, in Leicester Square, we've got balls hanging in the trees, but they're really, they look quite classy. The actual idea of wrapping lights around trees is so last year. And so this year we've got balls hanging in the trees, and they look really good. They're not sort of bright, bright, but they're actually very, very good. Warren's living on San Francisco time, which is good at the moment. Wish I was in San Francisco. Uh, some of your um, some of your Christmas cards came in. Got a lovely one actually from Andy, who designs his own cards. He's got lovely writing. I wish I had writing like that. And it's a lovely card. It really is. It's a snowman sitting in front of a f- fridge, and it looks like well, it could be Piglet sitting in front of a log fire with some other animals. Very clever. I've got some. I've got Vic and Bore and Wood who can draw. I can't draw for Toffee. And I've got a lovely bottle of champagne delivered from Harrods, from uh, from Scott and Barbara, which was lovely. It's very nice when you get things like that. This one's just... Uh, I love opening cards, because I've had a few cards in, as you can imagine. I don't want to boast about it, but 90% of... Yeah, just a couple of cards have come in. The producer was going to... Bless it, I called him the producer, it's only in fun. And uh, he, he said earlier on, he said, oh, he said, um, how do you know which of these cards are yours? I said, they're all mine. <laughs> Barring a few. Barring a few, you know, which is nice. No, because it's good that you send in to everybody else. And uh, thank you very much indeed to Carol from Horsham. And she says uh, she, she sent the Florentines in. She said, easier to post than pickled onions. I love pickled onions. 
Love pickled onions. I've got the biggest jar of pickled onions in the boot of the car at the moment, which I'm going to give to my brother, because I've got the similar-sized jar, which is lovely, and I gave a similar-sized jar to Alec and Hillary at the Barmy Arms, which is good. And she says, I often wonder if you know how much fun and laughter you put into the lives of listeners. Well, I mean, I try not to think about things like that. Otherwise, you know, we become terribly big-headed about it. And to be honest with you, I'm just sitting here talking to the producer, and if you can manage to raise a smile out of him, you think you've done quite well, because he's not exactly the most fun person first thing in the morning. I mean, little Miss Misery next door, I'll tell you. <laughs> be easy to paint a smile on his face. Uh, like everybody, we've had our problems, says Carol. You know, it's, I mean, some really... They, you think you've had tragedy. My God, they've had more than most. And she said, we used to live in Tunbridge Wells, so I couldn't get LBC other than on the computer. And uh, she says, you're a very compassionate person. I like to think so. I like to think so. Not where George Lineker's concerned, or Anthea Turner, it has to be said. But, uh, but the rest... Oh, dear, sorry. <laughs> my, my phone's gone mental this morning. I don't know what it's doing. It's... You see, I mean, I've got no idea what it's talking... It's, it's off... It, my thing's got a mind of its own, my phone. It does whatever it wants to do. Just leave it to one side. Yeah, give it its own show on LBC. It'll be a lot cheaper, I tell you. So, lovely card. Thank you very much indeed. As usual, I get lots of glitter on cards. People now do it deliberately. Yesterday I got sprouts from my friend Anne-Marie. And uh, here's one from... Um, now, who's this? Uh, I, th- I don't know who it is, actually. It could be Meg... Murray and Lord Bramley. Thank you very much indeed. They all go up on the windowsill so we can share them with less fortunate programmes. We don't get any Christmas cards. I like, I like looking at people's writing, though, because my writing's terrible. I mean, it really is. I'm doing e-cards this year, I think. I have done some, uh, some normal ones. Oh, that's a nice one. Oh, I know who this is. This is the Grand Order of, uh, of Lady Rattlings. And it's from Jenny Maynard. Jenny Maynard. She says, uh, see you again in 2013, posing for another iconic photo with the past queens. Oh, how lovely. There they all are. Lovely ladies. I love my lady rattlings a lot, as you all know. What's an interesting card. What's this one? This one looks terribly official. I love official cards. Do you get many cards at home, Nick? No, probably not. And uh, you get one today. Christmas card. Good Lord. This is uh, from Terry. One of the crumblies. Sprout, I get sprout cards. People go out deliberately and look for sprout cards, which I'm very grateful for. So thank you for those. Thank you. It is it always very, very much appreciated. Apparently you've got to try pickled shallots from Waitrose, says Warren. Isn't that the same as pickled onion shallots? Aren't they the same? Aren't they just more oval? They're, they're shallots, are they? I don't know. I've never bought shallots. I've never bought shallots. Keith Chegwin. My God, he's put on loads of weight. He's dancing with uh, Olga Shuratenko. Anthea Turner is just the ice girl. I think Ice Maiden. Joe Pasquale will be there for a laugh. Uh, Beth Tweddle, Gareth. I don't know what Una King's doing there. I'm sick to death of programmes putting on faded MPs who are trying to... I mean, who does this woman think she is? You know, either you're an MP or you're not an MP. If you're an MP, you shouldn't be going there. Nadine Doris, thank God she's disappeared completely. Which is good. Which is good. The X Factor, Shane Ward. Uh, a New Way for Lauren Goodger. Uh, a day, foul-mouthed woman. I remember her from the programme using language that unfortunately you wouldn't, uh, phew, you just wouldn't. Would not go there at all. Why does, why doesn't America deal with this ludicrous gun law, says Sasha? I don't know. I don't know. They'll never, they'll never ban guns in America, because there's something like, is it 30 million guns are out there? Only takes about two or three loonies, and God knows, they seem to have more than their fair share. But they, they've actually got more, more guns than adults. It's, uh, it's ridiculous. Is the producer cute? Says somebody here. Sadly not. Sadly not. You remember Wurzel Gummidge? Remember Wurzel Gummidge? A little bit like that. 
little bit like Wurzel Gummidge. Or was it Aunt Sally? One of the two, anyway. I can't remember. Yeah, but the phone bug got, he says. <laughs> Let's let the phone do the programme. Uh, everybody getting very excited about Bradley Wiggins and the clothes he was wearing for the awards ceremony when he, uh, he sort of... They said he, he was a mod. He was wearing mod clothes. I'll just call it a bit old-fashioned. I don't think mods were still around, I'm afraid. Oh, this is good, isn't it? Wait a minute, how much are we going on the, uh, on the lottery tonight? 69 million. 69 million. That'd change... I could do with that, actually. That actually would, would sort of change Christmas quite a bit this year. That actually... I could... Yeah, you'd buy somebody a present, would you? I'd, I'd love to do it. 69 million. Would I come in tomorrow? I'd have to, wouldn't I, really? I'm under contract. I don't want to be sued. <laughs> so I would come in. I, I wouldn't mention it, though, many times. <clears throat> Gary says, uh, I say the video for the Hillsborough tribute. He ain't heavy, he's my brother, and Paul McCartney's voice not sounding great. That might actually tip the number one this week, I think. I think it could tip the number one. We'll wait and see. I thought Pamela Anderson was married to that Scottish comedian somebody, says Kate in Epsom. You on medication or something? <laughs> Billy Connolly, what are you on, love? You on some sort of tablets or something? Mind you, the further they get out of Isha, 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 Epsom. Oh, good. <laughs> Not good. Sorry you've got a cold, Steve, but well done for the entertainment at four in the morning. And somebody says, Steve, I iron my own shirts. Will somebody vote for me? Shouldn't think so. I don't iron shirts. <clears throat> I don't even possess an iron. I do not even possess an iron. Isn't that good? No, because I, I, there are people out there who, who do ironing. And so I give them my ironing. And, uh, well, perhaps they wash backs too. I don't know. I don't know. I suppose if you actually go, go to a gym, then you could probably get somebody to wash your back there at the gym, couldn't you? That's how it works generally in gyms, isn't it? Doesn't it work like that? All right. Oh, well, <laughs> just me again. <laughs> Apparently not. I'm listening in New York City. I love the Russian baths. I've been going for over ten years. They soap you up and beat you with branches to exfoliate you. It's not good when it's happening, but you feel great afterwards. Doesn't it, it, doesn't it sort of make your skin glow? The whole idea of, of exfoliating is because women do it, but men tend not to do it. So I've got these facial scrubs and things like that, which have got sort of like sand in, or in my case, boulders, I think. And, and you rub it over your skin and it takes off a dead layer of skin and then it expo exposes the other skin underneath. So if you could do your whole body as, as exfoliating, that must feel really nice afterwards. And then sort of... Actually, I'm just thinking about it now. I'm just thinking about taking all my clothes off and just exfoliating. Should we take a break? Yes, I think we'll soap Steve Allen down, I think. London's biggest conversation. Morning, all this talk of Russian baths this morning and decorating. This is the final... You have to get your tree up now. Unless, of course, you're one of these people who isn't... Uh, <coughs> excuse me, putting up a tree this year. But it is the last week. The last week to actually get the tree and put the decorations up and uh, get them down from the lot. Try and find out where they are. I got a letter from Father Christmas, actually, which is lovely. People send me the oddest things. But this one is from Santa. And it's quite sweet, actually. It's quite sweet. And it, it, what it is, it's one of these letters where they insert your name into it and you can send them for, for kids. I, th I think it's a service at the post office. Doing. In fact, I'm pretty certain it is... Yes, it's from Santa Claus... In uh, Melksham. Sounds like an Agatha Christie novel, doesn't it? And it's, you know, they're so good, Stephen, the elves, just like you, helpful and kind. You know, which is quite sweet, actually, because you never know who it's from. It just, it has to be from, from Father Christmas. And, uh, and that's the nice thing. Um, to begin with, every employee, says Paul, when I worked at the well-known Manchesterford Hotel, we got treated rather well. Everybody got either a full-size turkey, some wine, or a big box of biscuits or chocolates. If you draw the short straw on Christmas Day, uh, normal pay, but the taxi paid for to and from work, 
a champagne breakfast, full Christmas dinner, on New Year's Eve, double pay, and taxi to and from. I could understand to an extent what the Guy and Duncan show meant. In service industries, you're not always given a chance or a choice as to whether you work or not. And I appreciate if you live a distance, you can pay for a taxi, but those are inflated prices. Yeah, everywhere. When did it ever start that when you take a taxi on Christmas Day or Christmas Eve or New Year's Eve, they charge double? Where's that written down? Minicabs, even illegal minicabs, will be charging double money. Don't get in them. Don't get in them. I told you before. They'll rob you blind. Rob you blind. Be very careful. And uh, he says here, by the way, Doctor Who's partner, Jenna Louise Coleman, was Debbie Dingle's lesbian partner in Emmerdale. And in real life was your favourite Stockport person, Carl Davis's real-life girlfriend. Do you know, strangely, I've, ju- I've just got Kingdom because I love Carl Davis. Carl Davis was in Emmerdale. Then he came out of Emmerdale. And I can't remember for the life of me what the reason was. I think. Do they want to make him a gay character? I can't... I can't whatever it was. He's a really, really nice guy. And he came down for the interview. He came down from Manchester on the train for this interview with me. And I can't remember what it was he was promoting. <clears throat> I remember thinking then, if I was an agent, I'd get him into pantomime. He looks good. You know, he's buff. He buffs up well. He's a nice little actor. And yet we don't see enough of him on the television. So there you go. Sorry to hear about Pete's brother, but I still stand by the fact that he shouldn't have been featured in the show, as we only said the other day. Well, that's it. It's, that's why it's very difficult, isn't it, as to what you, what you put in Pete's show, because it's Pete's life. And I suppose his life also had to be his brother's cancer. I saw it as an intrusion. Perhaps he didn't. But that's his, his business. He's, he's the one putting it out on a TV programme. He's, he's the one who will say, this is my brother. It's, it's never pleasant. Whichever way you look at it, it doesn't matter if somebody dies over Christmas of natural causes or they've got cancer or, in the case of America, that huge tragedy. It doesn't matter what it is. It's the fact that you've lost that person. If you've never lost anybody before in your life, nothing, believe you me, sort of prepares you for losing somebody because you just it's sometimes it's delayed. Sometimes it's delayed. I remember when my father died. It was kind of delayed reaction. It was very delayed. I didn't I didn't kind of get it at the time at all. I really didn't get it. In fact, I didn't get it even with the funeral. It didn't. It just went through in a in a blur, like for lots of other people. I'm no different from anybody else. That's why it's interesting that when you do it, if you're if you're in a in a public job, if you're doing something that the public have access to and people talk about it, because sometimes talking about it is good. So it probably worked quite well for Peter Andre to talk about it. I thought it was an intrusion. I didn't mention it on the programme until my my father had actually died. I mean, we didn't we didn't know he was ill or anything like that. In the same way, you know, we just waited till my mother had died before we said anything. But I can remember my boss at the time and I said, Oh, my mum's just died and I said, I've got to go down to the hospice and he said, Would you have to? And to be honest with you, I nearly threw him through a window. I was only the presence of mind and the fact that I was sort of slightly emotional about the whole thing, which you do tend to get, don't you? But don't worry, it happens to everybody. It's just, it's friends. But it doesn't matter what anybody says to you, it doesn't make it any better. It does not make one iota of difference. People saying sorry, that doesn't make any difference. Really doesn't. Uh, 84850, steve at uk. Another one here. This is from, uh, who's this from? Apparently, 300 million guns in America. Not 30 million. I'm so sorry. I thought it was, when I said 30 million, I suddenly remember thinking, no, there's more than that. 300 million guns. They reckon anybody can go in and buy one. Even the producer, God knows, even the producer could go in and buy a gun in America. Can you imagine? Hello, Steve. Let's go to the break, shall we? Let's go to the break now. Okay. Yeah. I'll tell you what. You do this for me. Oh, I could just see it. So it's a lot of guns out there. And it's a lot of people who shouldn't be allowed to have guns because they don't seem to do a a check, do they? They just sort of go, how old are you? Where's your driving licence? You can have a gun. 
And you can go and buy bullets. And then they say, Duncan Barks was telling you yesterday. He said the same thing. He said he was, he was offered a gun in America. And they said that um, even if you buried it in the ground, when you dig it up six months later, it will still fire. Like, why would you want to bury a gun in the ground? I don't know why you'd want to do that. Far too many shootings, far too many loonies out there who are being given uh, guns. And I'm afraid it's, uh, it's just wrong, I'm afraid. Uh, Steve, Billy Connolly's married to Pamela Stevenson. I know, we, we know that. Not Pamela, we've got the same first name, I suppose. Um, James says, you've got to behave yourself. All this talk of you taking your clothes off is very distracting. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure, actually. Um, another one here. It says, I live in Rayleigh in Essex, and Arge and Kirk from Towie have opened a bar in our town. I walked past there Saturday night. I'm sure the Umpa Lumpa Cars from the Wizard of Oz were at the bar ordering drinks. Oh, God, how awful. Arge with a bar. Oh, dear. He was apparently seen driving through Twickenham the other day. We knew it was him, because his number plate is Arge. Yeah, it's really sad. It's really sad, I'm afraid. Not good at all. Not good. Uh, another one here. Uh, you can get a long flannel, like double oven gloves. You can pull it across your back. That's the one I've got, actually. I've got that. Um, Dorman Dom is in Guildford. I quite like Guildford, but that's pretty at the moment. Uh, how far are you going to walk if there's a strike, says Kate in Epsom. However far you have to walk. Or don't go out. There'll be such drips, honestly. Ooh, the whole country will be brought to a standstill. You think, no, it won't. No, it won't. You just walk. You know, even... Even in the snow, you can get from A to B. You don't have to rely on public transport. Just get out there and get some blooming exercise. Well, I can't. I'm disabled. Well, you're not going out then, are you? Unless somebody takes you out and pushes you around. That's how it works. It's not going to... Br- oh, God, I tell you, bringing the country to a standstill. Even during the war, it was never brought to a standstill. Uh, Wiggins here. They, they reckon a knighthood is going to follow. What, for riding a bicycle? God, we hand them out like jelly babies, don't they? But he's... I'm, well, I'm, I'm sort of a fab. I'm not... You know, I don't get... It's a man who rides a bicycle. You know, I'm a bit indifferent to it. I can ride a bicycle. I can do roller skate. Of course I can. I, tell you, I can do trick cycling. Up like that, I can do... You know you know when E.T. took off? That's me. I can do that. Take off. I, do, 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 do. I can do all of that kind of stuff. Some poor ex, uh, ex-head teacher here went to go and get a dog uh, from a rescue place. And they said, how old are you? And he said, I'm 71. And they went, you're too old. And he went, why? They went, 71's too old to have a dog. And so he's, uh, he's now got a 12-week-old puppy, Bo, after he was refused a lurcher. A friend of mine had a lurcher. They don't bark, lurchers. They're sort of non-barking dogs, which I quite like, actually. Find one that doesn't go to toilet as well. That'll be the dog for me, as far as I'm concerned. I see some very inconsiderate dog owners. Very inconsiderate. People who don't clear up after their doggies. But at 71, he's too old, so he's bought himself a puppy. Isn't that awful? Because lurchers are nice. He says, uh, th- I try to explain says one of the charity's trustees. Lurchers are very beautiful family dogs, but they're escape artists that are attracted to wildlife. I tried to explain that we have many wonderful dogs for him. However, lurchers want at least ten years of active life. The reason we didn't go ahead was because we pride ourselves on giving a dog a home for life. We don't know. He might have gone ten years. Who knows? Can't tell. Lots of pictures of uh, animals being dressed up. And, uh... <coughs> Santa's little helpers here got bunnies dressed up with hats on and cats dressed up and little dogs and everything else. And here's the bloke here, veteran motorist Ken Harper. He celebrated his 100th birthday the other day. I was sitting in a garage putting some petrol in. Well, I was out of the car. No, I wasn't. I was in the car waiting because the bloke who'd filled up at the petrol pumps was very, very old. And, and he was very, very old. And I'm afraid, and I, I sort of, I started to get annoyed, and then I thought, no, Ken's bub, we're all going to be like that one day, just please God, we're not driving. And, uh, and so he, he, he gets out of the car, 
and he's he's obviously done his petrol, and then he he walks away very slow. We are literally very very slow, and then then he turns around and comes back to the. I'm sitting right behind him, waiting to put petrol in the car because I've got like cash, and um, and he gets out of the car and he walks away. Then he walks back again because he can't remember if he's locked the car. Well, who's going to drive off in this dump of a car? I've got no idea. Anyway, then he gets as far as the actual kiosk where you've got to pay the money. And I see him inside and I think, pay, pay, the, pay the money, pay the money, for God's sake, pay the money. Just pay, just stop looking at the sweets. And then he comes back outside again because he can't remember what pump number he is. And I'm going, it, you're one. You're, it probably didn't look like one, actually. <coughs> probably looked like something else. But anyway, and then he starts paying. And I can see from where I am, and I'm a good hundred yards away, He's trying to remember his his number, his pin number, and he's covering it with his hand. There's nobody else in there. It's just him and the bloke behind the counter. It was all very distressing. And then he did the slow walk back. Genghis Khan would have moved quicker. It was all very depressing for me. And so eventually he sort of moved out. <coughs> I filled up the car with petrol, put 60 quid in, that seemed to top it up a bit, which is OK for Christmas. And, uh, and then the bloke at the next pump to me pulled a bit too far forward. I couldn't get my car out. I felt like saying to me, you stupid... But, you know, I thought, no, be calm. It doesn't matter. It's Christmas. Have nice thoughts towards people. But I'm not sure about this bloke at 100 still driving. I think 100, maybe you need another test, don't you? Because I'm not sure if at 100, did he ever take a test? Because, you know, originally people were driving, so there's lots of people driving who've never taken a test in their life. How they're allowed to be out there, I don't know. But anyway, but this bloke, 100, he says, I'm a safer driver than the silly boy racers. The funny thing is, all the people who pass me, Ken, on the motorway, they're not boy racers. They're too worried about losing their licences. They're middle-aged people. They're sort of people... Well, not, not, I mean, I'm, I'm not, not nearly there yet, but I mean, people who would be sort of my sort of age are the people who are racing on the motorway with kids in the back of the car. I've seen them doing it. They whiz past me. The kids are going, stop, Daddy, stop! You know? And they go past me and I always wave, bye! You know... <laughs> A lot of Christmas, and especially over Christmas. Cars drive past you with Christmas presents on the back seat. You're supposed to have a clear back window. I seem to pass most of the students who are taking the house, the kitchen sink and the bed all in the same car. So, <clears throat> I don't know, how, how are you going to cope at 100 miles an hour? It's, uh, it's an, an interesting one, an interesting one. Listen, we'll take a short break for the, uh, for the news. And uh, after that, plastic money. I mentioned this yesterday, a plastic fiver. Because the, the £5 notes are really awful. Really absolutely awful. They're falling apart now. And I forget how long they are in circuit. You might need to tell me. How long they're in circulation before they start falling apart. I don't think it's as long as we think it is. The, the, uh, the 20s last a long time and the 50s last ages. Never really get a rough 50. And I quite like £50 notes. I don't, I don't keep any in my wallet, but I just I quite like the look of them. A friend of mine's got loads. He's always very keen to sort of show you how many £50 notes he's got. And I always secretly hate him, you know. It's one of those sort of things. But it doesn't matter. I'm not a jealous person. So, uh, more of that. And also the man who's living in France who's had to give up his prize number plates. What are they? They're very sad number plates. Almost as bad as sad Arge. Mind you, I think the Vajazzling girl, Emmy Child, child by name, child by certainly nature, she's also got uh, a personalised plate. I thought, actually, it was a fatal thing to have. If somebody doesn't like you, they're just going to come and damage your car. There's people out there like that, I'm afraid. News at five is next. It's LBC 97.3. It's Steve Allen's Early Breakfast, and you're very welcome. On FM, online and digital radio, London's biggest conversation. This is LBC 97.3. Morning, Tuesday morning, 
You should have now finished, shouldn't you? You should have actually finished doing your Christmas shopping. But I know up until the last minute, up until Christmas Eve, people will still be staggering around the shops. Why you want to put yourself through it, I can't imagine. Get it all done online. It's so much easier. Uh, some more Christmas cards. Thank you very much indeed for them. From Connie and uh, and Issy. Yet more sprouts. Thank you very much indeed. From uh, an out-of-town listener in sunny Sussex. Hugh is there. And uh, this is one from John and Jill in East Sussex. Glitter again. And a lovely picture of Robin taken by Chris Christodoulou. So from him and Shirley, uh, I wish you compliments of the season as well. Chris, as you know, has been our official photographer for these Steve Allen shows. The, uh, the live ones for years and years now, which is, uh, which is fantastic. Uh, one from Kev who says, You're so right, I was a nurse for 24 years, have dealt with hundreds of deaths, sudden and expected of all ages, always tried the best for the relatives, but you never know the full grief felt by someone until you lose a loved one, as I found out when I lost my mum. Yeah, you don't, do you? You don't... Uh, nothing prepares you. Nothing prepares you... At all, I'm afraid. Nothing prepares you. Stan says, just to let you know with gratitude, the East Finchley Community Trust Christmas Festival, which you kindly announced, raised £500 for each of our chosen charities, the Bobath Centre for the Treatment of People with Cerebral Palsy, Nazareth House, a nursing home in East Finchley, and Homestart, an organisation set up to assist young parents battling to survive. So, uh, that was good, wasn't it? So at least we, uh, we raised some money there. There's this poor bloke living in France, and uh, his name is uh, Renu Spencer. Renu Spencer, and uh, he he doesn't he hasn't always lived over there. He's lived over here, and he's um, he's he's not keen on parting with his number plates because he's got by gum and by ek, which is a bit of a northern thing. It's B seven gum, B seven ek, and he's more reluctant because he's being forced to give them away. They were bought as part of a small private collection when they were first released in nineteen eighty four. Uh, they're valued at wait for this twenty five thousand quid each. Who in their right mind would give 25,000 quid for that? I can't imagine. 45,000 for the pair. He can't use the plates over there. He said they are the ideal present for a true Yorkshireman. A Yorkshireman with no sense of money whatsoever. 45,000 pounds by Gorman by Eck. I mean, the, the collector is also selling the, uh, the couple's uh, My Own and other plates as well. He seems to have quite a few of them. And he says there's no point in them sitting here collecting dust. Well, I can't think of anybody stupid enough. I, mean, I thought Yorkshire people were very canny with their money. They don't like to waste money. They don't want to, you know, just hand £45,000 for two number plates. Good God, the car is worth less than that. What's the point? What is the point? Other stories of the papers today, now that they've announced the Dancing on Ice people. The hero teacher... It's on the front of the Mirror and a few other papers. And she saved 15 children from the Sandy Hook Massacre. She hid them in a loo. She said, shh, shh, very quiet. You can almost turn it into a game. I think she turned it into almost a game here. And uh, she put them into a toilet block to escape the crazed gunman as he burst into the school. She said, I thought we were all going to die. I mean, it's, it's terrible. The first funerals were held yesterday. Nothing that you can, you can ever say ever justifies anything at all. It just, just, you know, all you get from Obama, which is, I don't know what else he can say. I suppose we must act now to stop the gun slaughter. But how do you know? How do you know that something like this is going to happen? You don't, do you? That somebody doesn't have a sign written on them going murderer or child killer or something like that. That's why Jimmy Savile was very successful for so many years. That's why, the, you know, people who murder children are very successful, because they don't look like you expect them to. And then afterwards we go, oh, is that terrible? What can we do about it? And the answer is, we can't do anything about it, because you don't know. Who knew about this, this woman and her mad son? She was as barking mad as he was. 
you know, she kept 30 guns at home. She was stockpiling food because she thought the end of the world was nigh. She wanted to make sure she was all ready for it. And she trained her sons, both of them, in the use of guns. I thought one of the parents was terribly brave on television because he said for this, this uh, Adam Lanza's family, he said, you know, I've, I feel immense sorrow for you having lost somebody and all this. It was, it was the most gracious speech I've ever heard. I'm not sure I'd have been as kind, I'm afraid. In fact, I'm pretty certain I wouldn't have been as, uh, as kind. Uh, 84850, uh, These uh, These Z-list celebrity non-entity television failures are so annoying... They certainly are. They certainly are. A hundred and driving, wonderful. A town in the UK, Nuttall, as a councillor, um, says Joseph, who uh, is similar to that. Uh, do you think somebody at a hundred should still be driving? I'm not sure if somebody of a hundred should be there. I mean, I was sitting at traffic lights the other day in Twickenham, and, and they went to red, and this woman crossed the road. And then the moment she got to the other side, the car in front of me just set off. There were still red traffic lights. And I thought, how do you think the light system works in this country? You know, red means you stop there. And I felt like whizzing ahead of them and stopping them and giving them a good stern talking to. You know, you sit there on orange lights, you're supposed to stop as well. Sometimes people don't even know about that. Anisha says, uh, I love putting up my Christmas tree. (coughs) And funny, every year when I was young, we used to put up roughly a week or so before the birthday, which is today. It's a tradition I like to keep. However, this year, I'm having problems and hope you and your lovely listeners can help me. I've got two eight-month-old kittens who are gorgeous, but they're very playful and a tad naughty. I put my fake tree up, and it's like every Christmas has come at once for them. The tree has spent more time on the floor than standing upright. I've Googled for advice and nothing has worked. I want to know if you have any advice for me. Yes, get rid of the cats. Okay, the cats have got to go. Because, unfortunately, I've got a friend as well who has cats. And I said, you're putting a tree up? She went, no, definitely not. She said, because they... I mean, our cat used to sit there. After a while, because there is the funny bit, isn't there, in uh, National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation, where the cat's playing with the, the baubles on the trees, and then it finds the cable, and so it chomps through the cable and electrocutes itself. There's a... A flash. All the lights go out. And there's a little burnt mess in the middle of the floor, which... Which was the cat. I mean, the vice is, you know, cats like playing with things. I can't, you know, other people do. I suppose you could always go, no. But I don't, I don't think you train cats like dogs. I don't think they learn. If, if, if they see something... I've seen cats climbing trees as well. And then they get to the top and it's... Uh, 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 you see it in cartoons. And then they fall over. So, I mean, I think actually this year, Anisha, no, no Christmas tree. I don't know. I don't know how you cope unless you leave a tree up for most of the year and you train them. So when it gets to Christmas, they're used to seeing it. But if you've got any balls hanging down, you know that's the kind of thing that they love to sort of, you know, like that and you know, put the little paws up or anything hanging down. They'll eat it. They'll eat it. They don't care. We used to have chocolate umbrellas on our tree. You could still buy them. They were sort of wrapped up and everything else. And then we used to hang them on the tree. We had some of our Christmas day. De- My brother still got some of our Christmas decorations from more than fifty years ago. Fifty, my God, they look sad. No, they're not fifty-year-old chocolate. We're eating the chocolates. I mean, quite clearly, we haven't still got chocolate umbrellas on the tree. I mean, we wouldn't eat things like that. We weren't that poor in our family, you know. I know we had satsumas and nuts, which went back in the box afterwards. You got them in your stocking, and then my mum took them out and put them back in the fruit bowl. Because <laughs> satsumas were considered quite a luxury. But I'm delighted to report that the little, the little Chinese satsumas are back out now. These are the little tiny ones. <laughs> And uh, I bought them in Marks and Spencers yesterday because we went crackers on these a few years ago. In fact, we got everybody buying them because they're just, they're absolutely ideal for kids going to school. Not that the kids go to school now because they're all finishing on Friday, but they were just the right sort of size. And uh, I normally have them in the car 
I can eat a box of those sitting in the car. Always have some water in the car. If you're going off on a long journey, have water in the car, a little satsumas or some sweeties or something like that. Especially if you're diabetic, you need something in there, don't you? 84850, uk. And the subject of plastic bank notes, uh, they reckon within three years we'll have them, but they're not new. In fact, the Isle of Man, says Paul, had them as early as 1983. He says, when I mentioned the hotel earlier, I forgot to mention I was Father Christmas in the Trafford room for several years and got a bottle of vintage champagne for doing it. At the time, much like Kev the Milkman the other week, I needed padding. Sadly, now I don't. My biggest disaster was when I went to ring my bell and my clapper dropped off. <laughs> We've all had nights like that. <laughs> Dear me. Ring, ring, and then it drops off. Where do, where do you go after that? Who knows? Who knows, ladies and gentlemen? 84850, uk. And uh, somebody says, e by gum and e by ek. Uh, it's e by by gum and e by ek. Is it? Can you not just have it? E, yeah, it, that's like a bit like eBay gum, isn't it? I don't. What does it mean? I don't know what it means. What's the point? I'm back as Mr. Daily Bread again, says Jason. You remember he was Mr. Daily Bread, and then he became something else. And he says the other job was rubbish, rubbish, absolute rubbish. Well, that's it, you see, the trouble is you've gone back to something you like doing. Which is always good, isn't it? Here's poor old Helen Flanagan again. Oh, dear, poor old dog's dinner. Done up like a good old turkey in this one. Turning out to a nightclub. Fashion faux pas, I'm afraid, dear. I don't know what you're wearing, but, uh, you know, your life quite clearly is so vacuous, all you do is you just go to parties. You don't really have a job, do you? Come back from the jungle, you're a bit dim in that. And so here she is. She looks more like a walking, talking Barbie doll, except Barbie was... Perhaps a little bit more plastic, although on second thoughts, look at this picture here. I don't know what you think you're wearing. I mean, perhaps in Manchesterford, this is, this is considered quite exciting. She was attending a gala with city footballer boyfriend Scott Sinclair. She was wearing a pink sequin puffball mini dress by Miss Fra- Francesca Couture. She's got false lashes, platform shoes and the Croydon facelift. She looks like the biggest turkey of the shop. It's not a good look at all, Helen. Never mind, love. It's not your fault. <coughs> I feel a bit sorry for you, really. Your life's a bit empty, isn't it? Perhaps you need to try and get a job. You know, perhaps you'd be a bit like Lisa Riley, who's going to be offered all this money to go back into Emmerdale. Not. You know, because it, big mega bucks money because they think she's a real star. Now she's sort of pranced around in a, in a couple of outfits. And we've all had a laugh at her. They now think that now is the time to put her back in Emmerdale because they've got a new producer going in uh, next year. So I just have a little antiseptic throat spray. Quite powerful, that one was. <laughs> Took my throat out. And, uh, could be frightening there. A little bit frightening. What's the matter with me? Come over all peculiar. Um, lots of... What did I watch on the television the other day? Oh, Mark Wright. I have to mention him now. He can add a new string to his bow. Apparently, oh, God, he's going to be a disc jockey. Oh, God, they do this on purpose, I think, for me. They say the Essex lad, 25... Is joining Heart FM. He'll be presenting his own dance music show. Oh, gosh. Oh, that's all I need, isn't it? I hope he's not in this building. I hope he's somewhere else. <laughs> Jonathan Shallot will be going to me. Told you we'd get him in the building eventually. Um, advice for Roger the cat owner. Accept it video. Get 250 quid for the video. Replace broken stuff. That's good. I suppose so, yes. This is the lady who's got the two kittens in Hong Kong. And she wants a tree but she knows they're going to rip it apart. And I said, listen, you've just got, you've just got to supervise them. Just got to supervise them. But they like, find them something else to play. Buy them their own little ball to play with on the floor, and then maybe they'll leave the ones on the tree alone. Or failing that, don't have anything hanging down too low. But all they'll do is jump up for it. They're cats. That's what they do. That's why it's funny. Quarter past five. <laughs> 
morning, 19 minutes past five. Uh, Steve, when I was a young coach driver aged 22, I did two DVR jobs with a man called John. He was 73. He drove back at the end of the day. It was a winter's night, ice on the road. His driving was perfect. Not all of them are past it, says Baz. No, but I think there should be a test again. I asked the question, should we have another driving test later enough? Just to, you know, just to make sure. Because sometimes, I mean, my driving at night is not particularly brilliant. It's not... I mean, I'm not a great night... I can drive at night, quite clearly, but only with full headlights on. I like the full headlights on so I can see what the dickens is going on because you get cars that pass you on the motorway and I'm plagued by people driving little cars. You know, you watch them weaving in and out of the traffic and I always sit there and point and laugh because I'm hoping they're looking in the mirror thinking, yeah, I've just overtaken him, yeah, he'll be really jealous and I'm looking at him thinking, you're a bit sad. And also a bit dangerous. But they're always driving little cars like Renault Clios. Or what was the other car? I'm trying to think what else somebody was driving the other day. Somebody was driving something. I remember thinking, oh, it's like a little boy racer or a little girl racer car. Where they've got their black wi- their, their, their back windows blacked out. You know, with this cheap film on there. Which is, uh, it's too dark. And then sometimes they have it put on the front. And they can't see anything. At night time, they cannot see. So they can only drive in the daytime. It's very sad, I'm afraid. But I think that people should have uh, <clears throat> another driving test. I think so. Apparently, if you put pepper round the base of the tree, the kitten won't go near it. Ooh, not sure about that. Pepper round the base of a tree. I used to have a little railway. I've told you, a little Santa railway that went round the bottom of the tree. And our, our cat just used to knock it off. It would sort of, as it came round, it put its paw on it and then hold it. You say, no, take your paw off. But of course, cats don't take a blind bit of notice. They're law under. You could throw a stick for a cat. It wouldn't pick it up. A dog will sort of chase it. You know, you throw a stick, the dog goes, yeah, 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 yeah. Go and pick up the stick, bring it back to you. You throw it out again, the dog goes, yeah, 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 yeah. You see people in Regent's Park in the morning, you know. Sometimes, you know, you see, well, in fact, you see quite a few people in Regent's Park. But I'll tell you, oh, I'll tell you what I saw in Regent's Park on Sunday morning. It was so funny. It was so funny. It wasn't particularly cold Sunday morning. It was just one of those sort of, you still want to put, put a pair of gloves on. I've just bought this new pair of deer gloves. They are deer skin. Well, the deer didn't want them. I don't know what the deer was doing. But anyway, they've made them into gloves. And there were lots of them available, so it wasn't just one deer. And I'm going through, and who is my least favourite couple? Well, actually, for that, there's quite a long list. But one of them is that Phil bloke, who's the boyfriend of Jordan's makeup artist. And Phil does things with MDF. He's a very butch boy. And, uh, and he was walking through Regent's Park with this woman. No, no, no relationship, quite clearly. But he looks so rough. It was really embarrassing. And strange enough, he walked towards me and I looked at him and I thought, oh, no, it's you, isn't it? And I thought, oh, he looked, he looked really as though he had a night on the tiles, poor soul. Then I suddenly realised it's just because he's old. Uh, whereas I was looking absolutely fabulous and gorgeous. My scarf was flowing in the wind. And, but, of course, there's mud everywhere. And I don't have a pair of shoes to deal with mud. I know it's an odd thing. I do not possess a pair of trainers. I don't have a pair of trainers. I haven't had a pair of trainers for donkey's years. I've got what I call shoes you just wear, you know, out normally. I've got nothing, and nothing prepared me. And my friend said, why don't you just get a pair of, you know, Wellingtons that you can wear? I feel such a fool walking around in Wellingtons. There was somebody in Twickenham the other day. He looked like he'd stepped out the pages of country life. He had the whole bit, the deerstalker jacket, you know, the wax jacket. He had the hat on. He had leggings on as well, which I haven't seen in somebody for ages. I mean, I thought he'd come in off a hunt, the Beaufort hunt or something like that. He was standing outside the, the fish shop and I thought he just looked slightly out of place in Twickenham. It's, it's like when, whenever you go up to Edinburgh or Edinburgh, the, the good thing is that you see lots of Americans and they buy kilts. And they buy the whole caboodle. So you get lots of America because we got American roots. Uh, we got uh, Scottish roots up here. And so we wanted the family tartan. 
you know. And so they, they, they go up there and they have all their, their kilts made and they walk around town, but they've got American accents. And the, 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 <laughs> the Scottish people look at them with some bewilderment. And I've been up there a few times, and it's it's okay, it's okay. But they just buy it all. The Americans like buying into stuff like that. Whereas in in London, we don't really have a national costume, do we? I suppose it would be a rolled up um, copy of the Financial Times, a bowler hat, and a cane or an umbrella or something like that, and a smart suit. That that would be considered national dress for London. Yes, it would be Mr. Ben, I'm afraid. But, yeah, you go to any other country, they've got national dress. You go to Peru, people are wearing national costume. You go to Vienna, you do see people walking around, ladies and, and girls in dirndls, and the men in lederhosen who've come in from, uh, from, from sort of just outside of Vienna. And they wear this stuff. They wear it normally. They don't think it's, they don't think it's odd at all. Whereas we all look at it, and I think it's quite nice. We went to Lapland, all the Lapish people wear all these lovely brightly coloured clothes, and they've got shoes which turn up at the end, look a bit like sort of Pinocchio kind of thing, uh, or something out of a hands Christian Anderson. It's all made out of out of all their um, reindeer skins. But apparently the biggest insult you can ever, ever uh, say to a lapish person is, this is the thing that really annoys them, how big is your reindeer herd? You, apparently that's, that's the biggest insult. You should never say that to them at all. So just as well I never did. Because I know that the Lapish people, the Samis, they have thousands and they roam free all year. And all the Lapish people do is just follow the herd until they get to that point where they've got to sort of stock up and they've got to sell and they've got to kill off some because they've got to survive the winter and make their big tents and all the rest of it. And that's when they start rounding them all up. But the rest of the year, they just wonder how they separate their own... You know, dears, I don't know why it's an insult. Well, there's different things in, in, in Japan. It's an insult to give somebody... Is it a red rose? That signifies death or something. Or a chrysanthemum. You've, you've got to... In, in, yes. Oh, right, in India, if you call somebody a gardener. Really? How strange. I would have thought that would have been quite good. But you, you have a caste system in India, don't you? You have different castes and people... Whereas we don't have it here. We, we just have us. And then we have chavs. And, uh, and it's roughly the same kind of thing. You don't want chavs anywhere near you. They all shop in Primark, you know, they're generally lower class people, you know. It's not that we're sort of better than chavs, it's just that you don't want to hang around with them. You know, they are worse than us. They are people who've made no effort at school whatsoever. They are people who are likely to get pregnant at an early age. You know, you're not going to be finding people in Made in Chelsea getting themselves pregnant, because it's kind of like, you know, one doesn't, like, do that, you know. If you live on a sink estate in Huddersfield, there's a very good chance by the age of 14 you're going to be pregnant, because then you get the flat early which is quite good, and you get some people... And then they pitch up on the television. And mainly, you know, the caste system would be in this country... I suppose we have upper class, don't we? But you have people who are born upper class, and they are not nobility, but they would be people who would speak differently and behave differently. And then you get the nouveau riche, like Tamara Eccleston, who's never done a day's work in her life. And the money is all her father's. And so she's nouveau riche. She's got no, no class whatsoever. She can wear very expensive dresses, very expensive shoes. She can flash off her £48 million house. But to be honest with you, people with money despise people like that because they're vulgar. She's seen as cheap. You, certainly, you wouldn't find any of the uh, aristocracy in this country going to the papers to talk about their money. That's something you don't talk about. It's a case of, yes, well, we do have this big house, but it costs a lot to maintain it. You know, they don't go, oh, well, I've just bought myself a new pair of La Bouton shoes. You know, they don't do that. That's, that's the cheaper end of the market. That'd be Tamara Eccleston. That's, you know, her and her... her although more Tamara than anybody else. Perhaps she's suffering from a dearth of insecurity. I don't know. But uh, she was in the papers yesterday talking about, you know, how difficult... She wishes her parents were back together again and then going on about how much money she's got. And, and you think, you must be really sad and lonely. 
You really, really must be, you know, sad if you want to talk about this all the time. Because you just alienate everybody. Perhaps she hangs around with people who are low rent, and they're impressed by, oh, no, tomorrow can afford to do this. Because you do get people who hang around, but then it's, it's class. You do get class people, and they never, ever you know, sort of worry about things like that. Sometimes you find people, there. a bloke who came back from South Africa years ago, and he was terribly, terribly well-spoken, a bit like that. But he didn't have thruppence to rub together. And yet he had, you know, all the elements of class. He spoke well, he knew the right clubs, he remembers he was a member of the Guards Club, which is, uh, we only discovered that the other day, it's next to the RAF Club, up at the top of Piccadilly, by the Hard Rock. Only discovered it, you know, we looked at it, and you can type in an app on the iPhone and find out what the club is, and we discovered it was the, the Guards I think the Blues and Royals, and then next door's the RAF Club. And I thought, well, at least I know where it is. And I wasn't sure if I could join the RAF Club. I don't know. Uh, We always put the tree on the coffee table, says Christine, with a cloth sprayed with cat repellent. Oh, with cat repellent. I didn't know there was such a thing as cat repellent. What's catnip? It's it's a bit brutal for, you know, for sort of letting a cat topple your tree over. I mean, if it brings the tree over, that's part of the fun of it, isn't it? And also, cats are very easily pleased. They love paper. They love jumping into paper and... Stuff like that on Christmas morning, which is always good. Uh, miracle soccer race, Fabrice Muamba, showing off some nifty footwork. I don't think so. He's uh, he's the star of Strictly Come Dancing's Christmas special. Uh, they've also got... Who else have they got here? Bobby Ball, Sheila Hancock, JLS's Jonathan. I don't know who which one J- that is in JLS, I'm afraid. I'm not very good on that. Uh, Katie Brand... And Blue Peter presenter Helen Skelton. Oh, God, not Helen Skelton again. She's got... She's one of these northern presenters. God, the accent is awful. It's like a foghorn. And uh, Bobby Ball. How strange. Comedian Katie Brand. Why do we know Katie Brand? Was Katie Brand... Does she go out with somebody famous? I can't remember if she went out with somebody famous. But they're all on there. And uh, there's also a comeback for Rachel somebody. Rachel Stevens. Oh, no. Yeah. Uh, also, Chelsea Healy. Oh, dear. Five seconds of fame. No, everybody does. Yeah, there. Uh, Natasha Kaplinsky, Kelly Brook. Yeah, people like Kelly Brook. You can't have a conversation with her, can you, really? And uh, there's all sorts of pictures of the paper here. Plus, you get Tom Chambers and Colin Jackson with special appearances from Anne Whittacombe and Russell Grant. <laughs> can't wait for that bit. Colin Jackson. Isn't he the... Um, he, oh, he's the hurdler, is he? Oh, right. He, he does sports stuff, doesn't he? I think... Hey, Butch. Uh, 84850-steve-at-lbc.co.uk. And uh, we'll take some more of your texts and emails in a moment. And uh, we've got more from the papers. Actually, I haven't had a look yet at the, uh, at the Daily Mail. They're talking about blocked arteries. And unfortunately, with the amount of food you're going to be eating over this festive season, that's the kind of thing you need advice on. So I'll give it to you after the news, which is next at 530 LBC 97.3. This is London's biggest conversation with Steve Allen. Morning. Thank you very much indeed for all your uh, Christmas cards. I mean, really, I should be bottom of your list when it comes to Christmas cards. But thank you very much indeed. Uh, also to, uh, to young Ray from Woodford Green. Thank you very much indeed for the uh, card. He said thank you for all the fun and the super in conversations. Actually, this week <coughs> in conversation, I can tell you, is going to be... Brace yourselves... Last week we had Billy Crystal, and we had who else? See who do we have last week? Billy Crystal and Dustin Hoffman. This week Priscilla Presley, Warwick Davis, and Christopher Biggins. Biggins, big up Biggins. 
Actually, I was, I was looking... Somebody's used a picture of John Barrowman on their, on their Twitter page. So it was quite funny with their arm round John Barrowman, which I thought was very interesting. And, uh, and I was thinking, yeah, because John Barrowman... I don't know if he's doing Panto this year. Is John doing Panto this year? He must be somewhere. I wonder who we could ask for that one, ladies and gentlemen. You know, on where would John Barrowman be at Christmas? Well, actually, he could be in, in Welsh Wales. He could be doing Panto. I would think it would be unusual if he didn't do Panto. He likes, he likes Panto. But uh, I wonder who'll be going down to see him. Perhaps somebody popping down to see him, you know. Going down, you know, John, my old mate, kind of my old mucker, kind of thing. I've been invited down by Russell Grant and Christopher Biggins, so I know just exactly what Christmas is going for. Uh, eight for eight five zero. Steve the cabbie says, you just call Colin Jackson Butch. He's the, he's the hurdler, isn't he? Yes. He's, apparently he lives in... Oh, he's the bald-headed one. Oh, he's not the one I thought it was. He lives in Kingston, apparently. Oh, right. Actually, there's loads of famous people live around my way. You're probably the same in London. You know, doesn't matter where you live in London. There's always going to be, there's always going to be somebody famous who lives in your area. So, you know, if you, even if you live in a bad area, because they'll be aspiring to sort of going up to a, a really nice area. Primrose Hill's very popular, isn't it? And I think that's with uh, a lot of um, pop stars and stuff like that. Pops, and they said popsicles for some strange reason. I don't know why. And we've got loads of people around our way. We've got loads around Twickenham. Absolutely loads of people, which is good. My neighbour went up the other night to watch the switching on of the lights on Twickenham Green, and they had a little bit of a fate up there, which was absolutely wonderful. So that sounded really good. Unfortunately, I wasn't well enough to go up there. I've had the... You know, yesterday I thought, I'd better to stay in with the heating on and try and sweat this thing out. But everybody's dropping like flies around here. If you've got it at the moment, the, the thing to do is try and get through it, and then... And then sort of you can have a nice Christmas because you don't want... I had this horrible feeling the other day it was going to drag on because as you get a little bit older, things drag on a bit longer than they normally would. And I thought, I don't want it Christmas Day because I've got a lot of driving to do Christmas Day. Christmas Eve, I, I don't mind, as long as I get myself better for Christmas Eve than Christmas Day because I now know what all my godchildren have got for Christmas. And it's, it's some, they've got some nice, some nice gear, some really nice gear. And, and I now say to people, what do you want for Christmas? It's easy to ask somebody. When you're little, you just buy presents, don't you? Because kids want toys, and, and you can just buy anything. If they're two, three, five years old, six years old, seven years old, even up to the age of about 11, you can just buy them toys and they'll be quite happy. But if they're a bit older than that, they want things a bit more sophisticated. You know, most of the kids that I know nowadays have got mobile phones. They have got Blackberries. And you think to yourself, I mean, it took me ages to actually get round to a mobile phone. I've had one for years now, quite clearly, like the rest of the country. But they have things far earlier than we ever had them. I remember we used to have a budget for Christmas of 25 quid. I mean, 20, I was speaking to someone the other day and I said, how much are you spending on Christmas? And surprisingly, he said about 20 pounds. I said, right. I said, how many presents are you buying? He said, about six. I said, what are you buying them? You're going to Poundland and buying books and stuff like that, because that's, that's quite good for Secret Santa. But you, you can't get anything. I mean, I've, I've given up totting up how much Christmas costs every year, but I realise if you're on a budget, and if you're a family, you presumably have to sit down and go, right, we'll do, I mean, we're all eating out for Christmas on both days, because nobody can be bothered with the hassle of cooking and having to do this, because it's not really a rest for mum, is it? Your mum would like a, a rest. You've got to book up. They're not cheap, these Christmas lunches. You know, depending on where you go. I mean, some of the London hotels, a few hundred pounds. A few hundred pounds. I mean, all I want is some turkey on a plate, <coughs> excuse me, with some sprouts, some crispy roast potatoes. They've got to be crispy. They've got to be crispy. I, 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 I don't want anything that looks as though it's just been sitting in the oven for about two minutes. They've got to be small and crispy. I tried some of Aunt Bessie's the other day. And I bought them in Iceland, and they were only like a pound something. And I put, they're, they're coated with something. And you put them in, and they do come out crispy. 
They were quite nice. But my mum used to make the best... I mean, you could see the, the grease running off them when my mum made them, which was, which was lovely, because you knew... You bit it... Oh, they were delicious. Roast potatoes. Wonderful. I should have asked Paul for advice, says Kev the Milkman, on how to be a, a good Father Christmas. I only got a cup of coffee for my effort as Santa, or a load of therapist bills from the kiddies. And as for gun control in America... I fear it would take generations to get them to change the attitude to guns. took us two generations to change our minds to drink, driving and smoking. Isn't it funny how we've managed... I never thought in this country, I really never thought, that they would ban smoking in buildings. I'm old enough to remember sitting in radio studios like this one, happily puffing away, full ashtrays. Sometimes, when we moved to Hammersmith, in one part of our incarnation... We had a studio in there, and the union, very strong union, decided that the building would be non-smoking, but that my studio would be the place where they could come and have a cigarette. So if you wanted, you didn't have to go and stand outside. Like now you see people huddled outside, wind lashing round there, you know, all clutching round one sort of, one sad cigarette. And, um, and so my studio became the smoking cigarette, uh, smoking cigarette, became the smoking room. And so I would have sometimes doing my pro, I'd have ten people sitting in there. Ten people sitting here puffing away on cigarettes because it was the only place where they could go and have a cigarette. It seems, it seems bizarre now, because I haven't smoked for so many years, that we would sit here and you would go home and all you'd smell on your clothes was smoke. It's, it's going out to a nightclub and I noticed it when I stopped smoking and after about the first year I went out to a club or a bar or something like that and I came out and, oh, poo, it just, your shirt stinks. It's awful. And then you suddenly realise that your hair stinks. And then you suddenly... You can't get it out of your hair, and it permeates your whole body. It really is. I've, I've forgotten just how bad it was, and I've, got, I've still got friends who smoke now. A lot of a lot have given up as they've got a little bit older, but a few friends who and I used to know that they'd had a cigarette because they come back in, and I could smell it straight away. And they say your food tastes better. The other problem is when you give up the smoking, and some of you might want to do it this Christmas. I'm, I never advise people on it. If you want to do it, you'll do it. If you don't want to do it, don't do it. Couldn't care less either way. You know that you know the pitfalls. You know the the problems you get with it later in life. I've seen people in hospital with emphysema. It's not pleasant to look at. But if you enjoy smoking, enjoy smoking. No point. Nothing worse than a sanctimonious presenter telling you about how bad it is. I mean, everything's bad for you. Eating, you know, fast food is bad for you. Eating McDonald's every day is bad for you. Pizza every day is bad for you. Kentucky Fried Chicken's bad for you. You know, baked potatoes are good for you, provided you eat the skin. It's the skin that people leave out. They just put lashings of butter in the middle, and then they eat the thing. Which, in fact, really, it's the skin you should eat. Although, strangely enough, with Kentucky, it's the wrong way round. You take the skin off. You shouldn't eat the skin. The skin's the worst thing for you. That's the thing that makes you fat and bloated, and it's the thing that's absolutely laden with grease. Oh, disgusting. But it does look nice, and it does taste nice. And burgers. People eat burgers in the morning. You see them queuing up to buy burgers. Nobody sits down and thinks, oh, I think I'll have, a, I'll have a bowl of muesli. I mean, how dull was that? You know, my mother ate healthily all her life, still got cancer. Doesn't seem to make any difference, does it, really? Whatever you eat, they all say to you later in life, eat this, eat that, this'll help. This. So I'm eating everything I'm supposed to be eating. I don't feel any better for it. I've still got a cold. Well, it's not a cold, it's just the... Uh, <coughs> excuse me, the throat. Uh, there's a, a woman here, the cruelest hoax. I've got enough time to do this story. This is uh, a woman here for more than 30 years... Um, a family have been tormented by the mystery of what happened to their daughter. Curly-haired Catrice Lee simply vanished from a supermarket as her mother turned away to get some crisps for her party in 1981. Her family believes she was snatched and have tirelessly led appeal after appeal for her whereabouts, convinced she's alive and is now a 33-year-old woman. So when they were contacted by someone claiming to be their long-lost girl, they allowed themselves to wonder if their nightmare was finally over. 
yet their fragile hopes have been cruelly shattered after the woman in question turns out to be an internet hoaxer. Catrice's mother, Sharon Lee, and her other daughter, Natasha, received um, fantasising Facebook messages from the internet troll pretending to be the missing girl. But after a DNA test proved the woman who has not been identified was not Catrice, she then became abusive, sending upsetting messages to Catrice's mother and sister. The 32-year-old hoaxer was arrested... And yesterday, after police issued her with a harassment warning, the family told of their torment. I mean, isn't it absolutely dreadful that somebody would go onto the internet and protect... I mean, this woman should be named and shamed. I see absolutely... This, this woman is, is just filth. The people that can do that to somebody. Didn't they have this trouble a short while ago? There was somebody else, a little girl who'd vanished, and they started getting internet messages from somebody claiming to be the little girl and writing. And you think... What sort of sick person would you have to be? Answer as sick as this woman who pretended to be a missing girl from years ago. Oh, you'd want to see who she was, wouldn't you? You'd want to know exactly. Is she living next door to you? Dreadful. Uh, Steve, Colin Jackson's sister, Suzanne Packer, plays Tess Bateman in Holby City, says Sue. Strangely enough, I wish I could tell you I'd seen Holby City, but I've, I've never actually watched it. I'm aware of it, but I've never, never seen it. Uh, Tom Daly walking hand in hand with the world's oldest page seven girl, three girl, four girl, five girl. That's uh, Lauren Poppy, uh, very old and haggard. And uh, and he's out. What on earth he's doing? He looks a bit frightened, actually, in this picture. He looks terribly scared. I'm out with Lauren Poe. Mummy, mummy, <laughs> please. So leave him alone, Lauren, please. OK, leave him alone. He's a nice, decent person. He doesn't hang around with people like you. You're low rent, low rent. Uh, other stories. Oh, Miranda Hart's touring. Which is good. And now the, uh, the family of the granddad killed by a driver who was texting. This is the motorist who killed a dog. Walker, moments after sending a text message, wept as she escaped a jail sentence. Dentist Kay Nolan had pulled over in a lay-by to compose a reply to a work colleague, but didn't send it until she'd driven off again. As she did, she clipped Stuart Mather with her wing mirror and knocked him over. Both he and his pet were crushed by a car travelling behind, and she avoided jail. I don't understand how that works. I don't understand how that works at all. What a stupid person. So, um, she did break and swerve, but she clipped him. He was knocked over, crushed under the wheels of another car, and uh, apparently she did try to save his life by attempting resuscitation. And they say, but as she waited for police to arrive, she also deleted the offending text. So she's bent as well as, a, as somebody who would do something like that. She works as a dentist at a practice near Burnley. And uh, this dangerous driving carries a maximum 14-year prison sentence. But lawyers allowed her to plead guilty to the lesser charge of causing death by careless or inconsiderate driving, which carries a maximum five-year sentence. She was given a 40-week prison term, suspended for a year, and ordered <coughs> to carry out some community work. So just be warned, Kay Nolan's out there. She could be driving again in a year's time. She already killed one person. I mean, dear God in heaven, what price of life in this country? Absolutely nothing. So a family at Christmas do without their, their granddad, and she walks free. She walks free. My God, that's right what they say here. You know, probably, if, if you know, we've had people who've sort of committed acts of, of atrocity, they'd probably be given community service in this country. Anywhere else, you know, they, they don't. Uh, John Craven is in trouble. John, I never thought I'd say that. John Craven in trouble. Why? I'll tell you in a moment. And also the chemist who is running a black market in Valium and Viagra. Very naughty. Nothing worse is there than a bent chemist, probably because the uh, the uh, the money in it. I never understand why people are into Viagra. It's a, I thought it was just like a joke now, isn't it? Have you got a Viagra? Well, not really, no. I mean, I did swallow one once. 
And to be honest with you, it was a bit slow going down. And my neck, I mean, I couldn't move it. I couldn't move it. It was dreadful. Dreadful. So I thought, no, no, thank you very much indeed. Definitely not. She's in Casualty, not Holby City, says Alan in Q. Thank you. Uh, if you really need main beam headlights to drive a night, you should have an eye test. You could be suffering from night blindness. Oh, I do suffer from night blindness. That's why I don't go out driving at night. I'm in bed. I go to bed at seven o'clock. It's very, very, very rare, I'm afraid. Very rare that I actually go out driving. Uh, funny how you say famous people live round your way. You're closer to, Count, uh, to Hounslow than Kingston. I think we're not. I think we're not, I'm afraid. I think we're closer to Kingston than we are Hounslow. We don't, we don't go to Hounslow. Hounslow is for other people, certainly not us. It's uh, quarter to six. News headlines with... LBC 97.3. This is London's biggest conversation with Steve Allen. So here's this story about poor old John Craven. Now, I remember interviewing John Craven years ago, and I'm a big fan of John Craven, big, big fan. I loved him on Newsround. I loved him. You know, Newsround was, I think, the first programme that, that dealt with news in a way that young people understood it. And then he went on to Country Fun. It just fits in nicely. I like him. He's a man who looks good in one of those jackets in the countryside. So he's now produced a backlash, a backlash, no less, ladies and gentlemen, from forestry experts for demonising conifer trees. People get very upset about all sorts of things. The veteran BBC broadcaster, I love it when they say that, uh, was shown ripping out a small sapling, shouting, Geronimo! One less little pine. He then corrected himself by adding spruce. <laughs> this apparently got them very upset. The Countryfile episode highlighted the work of the Celtic Rainforest Regeneration Scheme in Snowdonia, North Wales, and its effort to replace evergreens with native deciduous species. Because conifers are planted close together... Often as a timber crop, it's usually dark beneath them, meaning little else can grow there. Mr Craven, who is an unbelievable 72, made his name, as you know. He'd been presenting Country Files since 1989. He was criticised by forestry workers, forestry workers for presenting an unbalanced view of conifers, despite their role as a vital commodity that supports thousands of jobs. I think it's so funny. Don't you? you can't say anything on television. People get really uppity about the whole thing. Anyway, the BBC have defended the programme. And said here, it's a reflection of, of what is happening in the countryside, and said both conifers and native broadleaf trees have a place in the British countryside. And I thought to myself, poor old John Craven. <coughs> Excuse me, he probably did it out of an act of kindness, and people have turned on him. It's just not good. Uh, Molly Steve says, Nat, any chance of a little Beyonce movement? Uh, no. All the single lady, all the single lady, uh, uh, uh. That's about it. I saw Beyonce on the television the other day, and that bit always gets me excited. I think she was at Glastonbury, and it's so good. The dance, it's so, it was so perfect. She quite clearly rehearsed and rehearsed and rehearsed. And then you watch some people on the television who don't rehearse very much. And those people I don't like. Anyway, rogue chemists have been accused of acting like small-time drug pushers after discovering, uh, after discovered selling antidepressants, sleeping pills and Viagra on the black market. The BBC Inside Out investigation last night revealed a dangerous trade where chemists are risking lives by selling patients prescription drugs before they've seen a doctor. Uh, you can buy a bottle of Valium over the counter for as little as £85. I wouldn't buy Valium over the counter for 85 quid. I'd be so frightened of doing that. I mean, any chemist who sells you anything over the uh, the counter, you have to report immediately. They, they get their licence taken away. It's as simple as that. I mean, it is illegal for pharmacists to sell such drugs without a prescription. Apparently, a bottle of morphine was bought for £200, with the chemist allegedly telling the reporter posing as a patient to drink as much as he wanted. 
Of morphine? Good God. So what they did, they visited pharmacies and for some drugs paid more than 20 times the price. Valium tablets, 21 tamazepin, tamazepan tablets, 294 antibiotic tablets, 24 Viagra tablets and a bottle of painkiller. You can sell Viagra over the counter, but only if the patient passes a series of health tests. <coughs> Sorry, and fills out a questionnaire. Can't imagine what they're going to ask you, can you? Middle of a chemist, you've got some elderly lady behind the counter. Right, you want Valium. What do you want it for? OK. How often can you manage it? You know, you, you just got to get a stand there, are you? It used to be the standing joke in chemists years ago that somebody would go in there and they'd go to, the, you know, a young girl and say, yes, can I help you? And you go, um, I'd like a packet of, um, um, got any toothpaste? And she'd walk out with toothpaste, you know. If it was the same young girl serving all the time, you just ended up with so much toothpaste at home. You know, anything apart from the thing. And because you, you always used to buy condoms uh, in, the, in, the, in the barber's. The barber used to say to you at the end, there'd be many of you who remember this one, something for the weekend, sir. You know, assuming the little woman at home was ready for this onslaught, because it was, it was something for the weekend, because some people only managed it once a week. To be honest with you, once every ten years is quite enough as far as I'm concerned. We don't want any of that messing around, thank you very much indeed. Far too many exciting things to do in life. Um, 84850, steve at uk. Apparently the, the roast tatties in Iceland are coated in duck fat, says Ali. Not all of them I've checked. Some of them have got this, this coating on, but it's not duck fat. I, was, I, I checked that very carefully. I, I really, really wanted uh, some... Uh, I didn't really want duck fat. I'm not really bothered. We did them one year in duck fat. We bought the duck fat. We didn't, they didn't taste any different to me. I just want to play... I, I'm really not fussy. I'm having two Christmas dinners this year. As long as these sprouts are done nicely, as I like them, so that they dissolve on your tongue, and the pigs in blankets look OK, and the turkey's nice, and I get a nice bit of stuffing... I'm not too bothered about the stuffing, actually. Somebody, uh, Rupert Bartier, asked me yesterday, he said, do you do um, bread stuffing? Is it bread stuffing? Bread sauce? I thought, God, no. It's the most awful thing I've ever experienced in my life. I've never eaten it. I've just looked at it and thought, it looks like sick. I don't want to eat that at all. So bread sauce, I don't go. A sage and onion stuffing, quite happy with. That would be quite enough for me. And it's got a gravy. I love gravy. I know many of you take duck at Christmas. I spoke to a friend of mine the other day who said, oh, I don't know how you can eat turkey. I said, well, I just, for some strange... I don't eat turkey the rest of the year, and I quite like it. And he said, you should eat duck. I think it was Rupert again who eats duck. in the world. And so he's eating duck, I think, this year. Whereas duck you've got to do on a, on a grill to, to let all the fat drip through, because there's a lot of fat on duck, and you don't really want that, do you? you just, I mean, I like crispy duck. I like crispy duck. I spoke to a friend of mine the other day, and I said, what are you having for tea tonight? Because we have these bland conversations. And, uh, and he said, we're having crispy duck. So I said, oh, right, just crispy duck. Did you have it with loads of other things? And then the more I thought about it, the more I thought how lovely it was. And Jackie said, poor Percy's a big boy now, so will not be in the baking dish this Christmas. This is a, a duck. She's called duck, you see, so he's not going in there. I don't think you can eat a pet. I really don't think you can eat uh, a pet. Uh, Colin Jackson's sister in Brookside, as you were a fan, she was Mick Johnson, the black character's wife. Ah, right, oh, now I know. Sinbad's friend. Lovely Welsh accent. And the actor, uh, is it Lewis Emmerich, who played Mick, later turned up as one of the policemen in Summer Wine. He says, uh, I did get the book you recommended by the producer Alan J. Bell for my dad's Christmas present, a marvellous read. This is for Last of the Summer Wine fans. Beautiful book. Beautiful book. And uh, Alan J. Bell has done that one, and it's got all the behind-the-scenes photos for all the people who miss the programme. All the people who miss the programme, and I, I miss the programme. You don't get many decent programmes on the television, and uh, this is one of them. Uh, you mentioned Viagra. 
And uh, he said, and then you did the joke about the, the stiff neck. He said, you beat me to it. I know it's an old gag. It's an old gag, but worth worth doing, actually. Especially at this time. He said, after a nightmare two-hour journey, Lorraine and I had a nice time. Great seats right next to the stage. The acoustics were disappointing. This is for Andre Ryu. Uh, I was... Only, oh, that's a lovely stage setting, isn't it? I was listening to the CD in the car the other day. Andrea Bocelli's got a new CD out as well for Christmas. I'm looking forward to downloading that one. But Andre Ryu, I've got... Uh, playing in the car at the moment. So I'm glad you enjoyed it. Uh, John says, some while back, LBC used to have a mystery guest in the evenings and listeners would phone in with questions. Your friend Biggins was one of the guests, but gave himself away because of his infectious laugh. Yes, they used to do it uh, on uh, Jeremy Beadle's... Did Jeremy Beadle do it or Tommy Boyd started it? One of the two started it. And they would have a mystery guest in and people would phone up and the mystery guest could only either say yes or no. So they'd say, are you in show business? Yes. If it's somebody like Biggins, though, he's got such a distinctive voice, it's very difficult not to know. But we had some who went for the whole programme, and then I would interview them afterwards for my overnight programme, and it worked very well. John Barrowman is in, which is in Jack and the Beanstalk. There you go. You can go up to Glasgow. Renew the... He's with the Crankies. Oh, right. Uh, Alan's from Glasgow, but currently in Lincoln. Very cheap property in Lincoln, I think, at the moment. So Glasgow, that's where you can go for the pantomime, can't you? Catch up with your friend and the Crankies. They're nice. They'll be funny. The Crankies and John Barrowman. I'm trying to get my head around that one. Uh, Michael Dennis, the Black Cab Poet. I was wondering why we hadn't had a poem for you for a while. And I've got one, so I'll do it in the next part of the programme. I was literally thinking that the other day. I was thinking, we haven't had a poem from Mr Dennis for a little while, so we have this morning. And uh, my cat Jeeves, says Julie, with his built-in headlights, he likes playing with shoelaces. Good Lord, he's a bit of a scary cat. It's a very scary cat, we think. Producer's just sort of done one, I'm afraid, now. Jeeves says, good morning. <gasps> he's got his eyes lit up, though. I love cats. I'm, I'm, I'm a cat person. I like dogs, as long as they're not too big. I'm a little bit scared of big dogs. Ever since I bent down to stroke one years ago, when I was about 14, and it bit my ear. I had to go to hospital, have a tetanus injection. I thought, oh, God, no, don't ever bend down to dogs. It frightens them. Apparently sunglasses frighten them as well. Must get Victoria Beckham a dog. And uh, other stories in the uh, papers today. The, uh, what else was in the papers? Well, it's, it's mainly talking about, uh, without brave whistleblowers, Ali Desire be running the Met Police. They talk about Sting, and, uh, Muslims say we want exemption on gay marriage too. So Muslim leaders criticised controversial plans to allay gay marriages and demanded they should have the same legal exemption as the Church of England. Well, there must be loads of gay Muslims, I should imagine. Certainly enough gay Muslim men in uh, in prison, aren't there? The prisons are full of Muslim men at the moment. For some reason, I don't know why it's gone through the roof. But uh, there must be gay Muslims. I'm sure if you typed in on the uh, on the internet, there would be gay Muslim groups. And also the sh- the snowman composer, who offered to help with the sequel, was told, send a demo in. Because they've done a new version of the snowman. And uh, this time it's the snowman and the snow dog. It's quite clever. But he offered to help with the sequel, and they said, can you send in a demo? I'm embarrassed. I love that. Uh, the funny thing is, as everybody tells you, you know, they all say, of course, you know Ali Jones never sang The Snowman. He did it for an advert for Toys R Us, but he didn't feature in The Snowman film. That was not Ali Jones. And he's gone through his entire life with people going, ah, you've seen that song in The Snowman. Go, no, it wasn't me. It wasn't me. And then people made up rude lyrics because he was at school and it was, it was rude lyrics that we can't mention on the, on the programme. 
Uh, right, we'll take a short break for the news at six o'clock. If you were out down in Leicester Square this morning, the lights in the square look great. Very, very nice. Very nice and festive. Not sort of overstated, but very much understated. More of your texts and emails. It's Steve Allen's Early Breakfast. You're waking up to Tuesday morning with LBC 97.3 and the news at six with Sam Pittis. FM, online and digital radio, London's biggest conversation. This is LBC 97.3. Morning, five past six at Steve Allen's early breakfast on LBC. Apparently, this Christmas is going to cost you more than at any other time, and families are prepared to put themselves into debt to make sure that they have a Christmas. Because, like in all, in all financial crises, and it's not been a particularly brilliant year for a lot of people, it, it's a case of, look, let's, let's have a, a bit of a time over Christmas, enjoy ourselves, and then pay back next year. And I think that's false economy. I know it's easy to say when you don't need to think about things like that. But the amount of adverts I've seen in the papers for people borrowing money, the amount of adverts I've seen for spreading the cost of Christmas with all your different presents, and the more I keep, the more I keep seeing these adverts, the more I keep thinking, it's quite easy to get yourself into debt over Christmas and think that you can pay it all back. We had that guy the other day on the programme. There was a piece in the paper. He'd borrowed 150 quid and he now owed £10,000. And there have been cases in the past of people who've got themselves into financial difficulty. They haven't discussed it with the family. They've tried to look after it all themselves. They can't do it. And in the end, they've sort of... Uh, we've heard of cases of people who've taken their own lives because they can't face the humiliation of not being able to provide for the family. In fact, there was one man who lost his job but carried on for a year getting up every morning and going off to work. Well, he told the wife that's where he was going, but he wasn't. He was going and sitting in the park for most of the day. And so if you do get into difficulty, you have to go and talk it over with the bank. If they can help, they'll be sympathetic, but they're not there as a charity. Citizens Advice Bureau can always give you advice on managing your money. And in fact, we here on the programme, we've, we've got no end of uh, stories in the newspapers of how you can do Christmas on a budget. What did we say? Was it Morrison's could do Christmas for £11, £19.99? That was including the turkey, mince pies. It's only that one meal of the day. And then if, you, if you're quite... I mean, it's a bit pointless if you're a person by yourself to order a turkey, isn't it? You're not going to eat a turkey. You're going to buy, you know, a turkey crown or a small piece of turkey, you know, for a single person. You're not going to... It's not going to be worth bothering. Might as well have something else. Buy a small chicken. It's much cheaper that way. Uh, Jules says John Barrowman is with the Crankies in pantomime at the SEC in Glasgow. I know, very excited by this, very excited up there. Probably an overnight stay, I shouldn't wonder, at, uh, because I'm sure John's got relatives in Glasgow, or certainly access to a room or something like that, so that'd be good. You could stay over when you go up there to, uh, to cheer him on. What's happened to the Real Housewives, says Juliet. Well, I wish I knew. I wish I knew. Where's the, the Real Housewives of New York City? The ones with the woman who's a bit cracked, who, who made up things. They didn't have any money, they didn't have anything, they were frauds. And now they're separated and she's going out with somebody else. But I haven't seen the programme back on the television. I'm in the bakery decorating cakes, frosting my 1,000th blueberry, says Julie. And looking forward to flying off to India for a Christmas holiday. I don't blame you. I don't blame you. How lovely. Flying off to India for a Christmas holiday. Actually, I could eat India. I've not eaten Indian food now for ages because everything comes with a sauce. And the sauce is the bad bit for me. I can have chicken tikka, but it's a bit dull. 
But in fact, anything, I could eat anything at any time of the day or night. I wonder if a curry would be very good. I suppose I could have a cup. You know, I feel better now than I did at the beginning of the programme. Beginning of the programme, I was feeling a bit throaty. It's worn itself in a little bit now. And yet still, my glands are swollen. I can still feel them a little bit sort of up. Occupational hazard in this business. I think I was talking to Clive Bull about it, because it's fatal. I can remember there used to be a very famous presenter on LBC many, many years ago, doing breakfast. And uh, if anybody... Somebody came in once with a cold... He went ballistic. He said, don't you ever come in the studio ever again with a cold. He said, we don't want to be infected. And it was really embarrassing. And he was quite right. He was quite right. Because if, if you make your living, you know, as, as a presenter, then somebody comes in and gives you a cold and you don't work. You don't earn any money. It's not very good at all. So, Julie, I'm very jealous of your, uh, your 1,000th blueberry at Storm Bakery. Sounds wonderful. On the subject of uh, gun culture, Jeff says... I can't see how a change in the gun law in America will improve things. Possession of a gun or pistol has been part of American life since the year dot. Educating youngsters now will help. But how many irresponsible parents live in a big country like America? Well, the mother of that boy who committed the atrocity. She taught him how to fire a gun. She taught him how to fire a gun. Being part of the Constitution, Americans will live and die by the gun. I'm afraid that President Obama will have a difficult time because there will be many who will still want to possess and use a gun and will believe that their human rights and freedom will be threatened. Yes, well, we have it over here. You have members of, of gun clubs and stuff like that. But you just have to... It's... It, you just... You just... You can't do anything about it. There's nothing you can do about it. You can't look at somebody, as I said before, and go, you look like you're about to commit an atrocity. Very sad. Uh, Sat says, uh, hi, Steve. You shouldn't ask the Sami people how large their reindeer herd is because it's like asking how much you earn. Basically, not a thing you ask in general. Isn't that funny? It's the only thing you don't ask somebody. You don't ask somebody now how much they earn. It's like at one time it was you don't ask somebody um, who you vote for. People never used to say who you voted. You could always tell what uh, party people voted for (coughs) by looking at the newspaper that they took. That was the only way that you could ever tell. Nowadays, of course, you don't ask... You never ask people how much they earn. I was quite shocked the other day. A friend of mine told me what he'd earned when he went to this particular company. I thought, blimey, that was good money. <laughs> Very good money. Sadly, it wasn't there all the time, but it doesn't matter. Uh, Dom, Dominique the Christmas Donkey. How funny. This has cheered me up. Heard it on uh, Saturday. Have a listen, Steve. May have heard it before. Thank you. And... Um, uh, another one here very quickly. 84850, Steve at LBC. Joe says, as actors enter the twilight years, they all seem to finish up in Last of the Summer Wine. Yes, I mean, to be honest with you, that was the good thing, Joy, that, you know, they were prepared to use actors who would be sitting at home twiddling their thumbs. And that's what I thought was absolutely brilliant. Uh, Phil in Ricelip, sorry, <clears throat> says, thank God for your show this morning. I have succumbed to this dreadful norovirus, which is an absolute nightmare. It is terrible. It is terrible. I feel very sorry for anybody who's got a cold or something like that. Uh, Steve, why don't you uh, invite Gordon Ramsay for Christmas dinner? Well, we're actually going out paying for Christmas dinner this year. Two Christmas dinners, which is very good. And did you know, did you know, um, this is uh, another one here. It says, all the press coverage, (coughs) excuse me, about the Eccleston sisters. You never heard about another one of them, Bernie's daughter from his first marriage. Two or three years younger than you, lives quietly out of the limelight. Thankfully, not anything like her half-sisters. Probably doesn't have the, the wealth. It's, it's not... Petra tended to not be so bad. It was Tamara who was, who was the vulgar one. And they always go, oh, I do charity. And you think, listen, it's, you've, you've got daddy's money. 
but don't push it in people's faces. It's just, it's just not, not very pleasant. It makes you come over as terribly shallow. Uh, Judge Judy is still going. Apparently, Tracy says curry is the best thing ever. I was once told it's a natural analgesic. Have it as hot as you can, and you'll feel right as rain the next day. I was always told, actually, that a sauna was very good. I think John Barrowman swears by a sauna, and I think you'll probably find he knows all the best places to go to in Glasgow when you go up there and uh, and spend the night. Um, I don't want to get the electric wall heaters my son's flat. Are they as good as they sound? I do want to get them, says Daryl, listening with coffee and tree lights on. Yes, I think they're very good. I think they're very good. I bought them for my brother. We bought five, and they're the flat uh, convector heaters. The, the, the reason we got them, it's quite simple. I went and stayed in a, one of these budget hotels over Christmas a few years back. They had them, and I thought, if it's a budget hotel and they've got them, they're not going to be wasting their money. And that was exactly what I bought for him, and his flat now is like toasty-toasty. Not very expensive to run either. So uh, I think very good news. I can't remember which, which make they were, but they were very good. Uh, no doubt... <coughs> Why is it now that all the supermarkets are full of party food? Have you noticed? They've got Prue Leaf stuff at Asda, an oriental duck selection. But if you actually open it up, the amount of duck in there is almost negligible. I bought some little ones the other day, which are like little, is it enchiladas or something, or little Mexican things. And they're like little envelopes with minced beef in there. And they're like, you just sort of put them in the oven for a bit. Well, like, like tacos, only... They, they aren't like tacos. They're, they're actually sort of sealed all the way around. A taco's open, so you can put the grated cheese on, and it's hard, isn't it? It looks like looks like a whatever it is thing, which I don't like that you dip in guacamole or something. Those other round things which look like taco. Oh, it doesn't matter. I'm talking, it's not crisps. They're like crisps, but they're hard, and you just dip them in. And you, you know, you have a bowl of them, and then you have a bowl of guacamole, and you dip it in and bite. What's that? They're just. I'm just making. I'm talking to myself here. It's ridiculous, but. Uh, so I've started eating all this party food because it's so much easier than actually sort of worrying about cooking some main meal. And it's actually really quite nice. I, I did these things the other day, these little enchiladas or whatever they are. I don't know what they are. I'm talking about, talking about my rear end, I'm afraid, at the moment. But I did them and then I did some grated cheese on the top. And then some, um, I put some Thousand Island dressing on. And then it turned into something really quite disgusting, I'm afraid. It's quite disgusting. I haven't done the poem yet. I should do the poem in, uh, in one minute. Quick time check for you. It's quarter past six. LBC 97.3. Morning, 6.20. Tuesday morning in London town. It's Steve Allen's early breakfast. Michael Dennis is the black cab poet. And uh, this is, he said, uh, this poem is about a, a Christmas tradition with my late mother's family. The Sunday lunchtime before Christmas, we all meet up at a pub. It used to be one of the pubs in South Wimbledon, near to my nan and granddad. It's been happening for well over 50 years now. Jackie has read it and said I should send it in. So here we go. There will be a, a Christmas poem before the big day, and I shall send it to you, because we're here on Christmas Eve, which is Monday. I can't believe it's Monday. It's, it's racing away now, I tell you. Big man with white beard currently stacking his sleigh up with all those presents, you know. Panto tickets for John Barrowman up in Glasgow, you know, rail fare and stuff like that. Overnight stop in a travel lodge or something. Uh, right, so the family Christmas drink. The Sunday before Christmas time is where I start this little rhyme. A custom started years ago with family, friends, in the know. Late morning we would make our way while others went to church to pray. Round to my nan and granddad's gaff after a fry-up in the calf. 
My aunts and uncles, cousins too, would chat as Grandad made a brew. While Nan dished out the Christmas club, then we'd all slope off to the pub. The dark house, or the horse and groom, the Princess Royal's little room. John would take a list for the round, into the whip each put ten pounds. After a while, my Grandad, he, would come and have a word with me. Here, boy. I've got a little plan. Take these two bottles to your nan. We all know she drinks Snowball, but she'll take off her overall when she sees that brown ale you've got and be here quicker than a shot. So off I'd go like years before and she'd be waiting at the door. I thought you'd never come, she'd say. Thought we'd best be on our way. At two o'clock they rung the bell. The pub was closing for a spell, so back to Nan's we then would go where we'd be witness to this show. Now, Tony would walk through the door. He had it sussed. He knew the score. He'd see Nan standing by the sink, then turn to us and give a wink. But through the window he had spied a gammon sitting on the side. That joint looks lovely, Dolly cries. Those sarnies, too, you've tried to hide. So in Nan's lounge we'd find a seat, where she'd served up a bite to eat. Sandwiches, pickles, cups of tea, paper plates resting on our knees. Then off to see great Auntie Nell, to hear the stories she would tell. We'd sit and have a few more beers, to wish her the warmest... Christmas cheers. She'd smile at me from her armchair, and with a wink she would declare, It was always good to see you, son. I said to Chris I knew you'd come. Nan, Grandad, Auntie Nell are no longer here, but some of us still meet up for a beer. We raise a glass to all the loved ones past. Long may this family tradition last. Thank you, Michael, very much indeed. That'll probably ring a, a bell with more than one or two people this morning who have those family traditions. I did say at the beginning of the programme, and I make no apologies for mentioning it again, that one of my... Uh, I was going to say one of my oldest listeners, but she wasn't old at all. She was young, but she's certainly been uh, with us for a long, long time. Gloria Feldman, who, who came to all the shows and everything else, sadly lost her... Uh, her life the other day, she had cancer, and uh, we knew she had cancer, and we send out commiserations to her family, to the girls who, uh, who are going to have to be very strong this Christmas. But uh, she was lovely. In fact, she, she came to the last one. You all know there'll be pictures of Gloria all over the internet. She was a lovely, lovely person. I was so sad to have heard that from John Warrington the other day. So we send love to the, the family. 84850, uk. Paul says, who do you prefer out of all the TV chefs? I don't, I don't mind any of them. Oh, I, I really don't mind anybody. I like Gordon. I like uh, Heston. I like all of them. I just like anybody who cooks food that I can eat. And, of course, the only person who's ever actually uh, made me food is Heston Blumenthal. I told a friend of mine, she was sick. She was so jealous that Heston Blumenthal had actually fed me. I was sitting there. He actually put this stuff on toast and fed it, you know, me and Heston Blumenthal, my new best friend. Has, well, for the purposes of my, my programme, yes. This weekend, though, on In Conversation on Sunday, it's going to be Biggins... As usual, always guarantee a laugh. Bit of a serious side on this one as well. Bit of a serious side to Biggins. But as usual, he is the best value person I think, you know, I think I've ever met. I've never met anybody who is as, uh, who's as wonderfully gifted in telling stories as Biggins is. The fabulous Priscilla Presley and Warwick Davis. So it's a bit of a panto fest. A bit of a panto fest. And that's this Sunday for In Conversation, which were the, um, the last one before Christmas. And then I think that you get me over Christmas as well. You do get me over Christmas, but I think there's some In Conversations. There's the best of Steve Allen before you do the jokes. It's not a short programme. It's, uh, it's, it's a fairly lengthy programme, actually, just looking at the scripts for it. And quickly, just in the, uh, the final few minutes of the programme this morning, before we move on. Oh, I knew there was something I hadn't done, actually. I haven't actually told you what Nick Ferrari was, uh, was doing on his programme after the news at seven. The Commissioner of the Met Police, Bernard Hogan Howe, will be live in the studio taking your calls. Crime figures may be falling, but will the uh, impending cuts affect frontline policing? 
Dame Tessa Jowell joins Nick to talk about her visions for the legacy in East London now the Olympics year is nearly over and what ramifications for London could the planned Boxing Day stripe have. That's the tube strike as well. Lord Ian Blair, the former Met Police Commissioner, is going to be looking at the papers. And uh, actually for the first time, I think, the Queen will be uh, attending a cabinet meeting for the first time. Quentin Letts will be talking about that with Nick Ferrari and Christmas in New York. And also, business is doing well. Every year, they're always moaning about how bad business is doing. But in fact, this time round, they're now telling us that uh, it's absolutely fantastic. It's absolutely fantastic. Apparently, last Saturday, you all went absolutely balmy. Balmy bonkers and spending a small fortune. So quite clearly, some people are going, recession? What recession? Annette from uh, from Denmark. Will we get a bit of jolly old St Nicholas this week? You're probably going to get it next week, I think. Probably going to get it next week. And uh, Anil says, can you please say a very big thank you to uh, LJ and Noreen for the lovely Steve Allen mug they sent me. It's Brill. He said, I love the black, the black cab poem. Yes, we always like them as well. I was like them. Uh, finally, very quickly, let's have a look here. Um, I'm a singer doing uh, Swing and Elvis, and I gargle with salt water three to four times a week. Hot curry and red wine and a face steamer from Argos all works a treat, says Scott. Thank you very much indeed. Uh, and then Steve says, I can't believe you shop in Asda. I didn't, uh, I didn't say. I didn't say I shopped in Asda. I said I was repeating what the Asda have got in their, their little things, actually. <laughs> uh, 84850steveatlbc.co.uk. I think I've driven past an Asda once. I don't think I've ever actually stopped and wandered round it. Have I been in a... No, I've been to a Sainsbury's. I've been to a Sainsbury's. That was very exciting, to use the cash point. And, uh, and I've been to Waitrose. Waitrose, because it's one of my favourite shops now. And I was seen the other day in Marks and Spencer's buying water. I know I was seen because somebody in the queue turned around and gave me a wink. It was either that or I pulled in Marks and Spencer's. Of course, it's highly unlikely, I'm afraid. Uh, Very quickly, front page of the uh, mail this morning. Blocked arteries, how the wire in your wrist can help. That was a story I didn't get round to doing, but I will get round to doing it very, very shortly. Uh, Also, hanging on the phone for the tax man costs us millions. Most people... I don't like hanging around. Hanging around for the tax man. In fact, I prefer to have as little to do with the tax man as humanly possible. The Daily Mirror, because you've got the Dancing on Ice coming up very shortly. And uh, you've got a picture of Pamela Anderson and uh, an Anthea Turner. So just to ruin your day, sorry about that. Uh, the hero teacher who saved 15 children, she shoved them all in a loo. And just said, just shh, keep quiet. And that was the best advice that they ever got. Uh, the ten best tips are in the Express today on how to cope at Christmas, your health, and also how to get over the big day. And uh, and another picture here of uh, of Anthea Turner and Pamela Anderson poles apart. Do you know? I thought Pamela Anderson was quite. I thought she was sixty something. Apparently, she's only fifty something. So not an old person at all. Not an old person at all. Uh, the Sun finally the killer's call of duty obsession. And that's in the paper, plus everybody talking about Wiggins. The next thing they say he's actually going to get is going to be a knighthood. Uh, Plus, of course, chip off the old Beck. Romeo is modelling. He looks a little bit like Lord Fauntleroy in a a jacket. It's sort of like a Mac done up. It's not kind of the best picture I've ever seen. Listen, have a a wonderful day. I'm back with you tomorrow morning. And uh, I shall vacate. I shall take my medicine out of the studio, just in case anybody else wants to start using it. So uh, we shall do that. (laughs) <laughs> and uh, I'm back with you tomorrow morning. Nick of the team with you after the news at 7. Next on LBC 97.3, it's the morning news with Susan Bookbinder. <laughs> <laughs>